Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome in. It's a Friday morning. It's time to talk a little jazz, a little youths, a little cougars. Got some jazz off-season news. They're winding down. Got the youths and the cougars winding up, I guess, as they get their camps open and get ready to go. We're going to start with the youths. We're going to start with Jim Harding. There are a lot of questions on offense, but if the offensive line rolls, then the running game looks good. A quarterback with time to throw probably looks good. It all starts with the O-line because that's the way football works. It usually starts with the O-line. Here is Jim Harding on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. All right, Jim, it's the first day, obviously. You can't really get much in terms of offensive line, but what, what do you feel like this season is going to be for you, especially as you go into this fall camp? Well, we certainly have to do uh, a more consistent job of pass protection. That's been a huge focus for us. I mean, we can't lose sight of who we are and running the football, but we've got to do a better job protecting, giving the quarterback, uh, whoever that might be, uh, some time to uh, go through his progression. So that's a, a big focus point for us this fall camp. You've got a lot of guys that are returning, a lot of experience there. Are, are you able to have a better understanding of who maybe those starting five or eight or whoever may be are today as maybe as opposed to, well, not last year because obviously it was different, but maybe 2019? Or... Yeah, so the big focus this uh, fall camp is to put guys together uh, where we think they are based on uh, what we saw in the limited play last year, spring ball, as well as, um, you know, certainly the depth chart isn't set yet, but uh, there'll be less movement uh, up front, and we're trying to put guys where we think they're going to end up so that they can start gelling uh, much sooner than what we've done in the past. Kyle said that uh, the light switch has gone on for BAM. What does that mean to you? When, when he says the light switch has gone on, you see him. Where, where is he different today than a year ago or even two years ago? Well, I think he understands what it's going to take. I think he also has a better understanding that, you know, he came here, uh, has gone through a, a long process to get where he is, and, and this is it for him. There is no uh, extra time. Um, he, you know, he's going to have six more months or thereabouts in the program, and, and so it's time to, to perform or else, you know, I, I didn't do a good enough job getting him ready. So, uh, for him personally, he certainly uh, is more committed, understands the playbook. It's, it's his third year in the system, and so I think that that uh, starting point, and certainly we got to be better today, but that starting point is higher than where it's ever been before. You mentioned how pass protection is a point of emphasis here in fall camp. Um, with, with new quarterbacks in the fold, what's the chemistry like between the line and the QBs at this point? Well, you know, the, the nice thing is we have a, a bunch of kids that have done a lot of things on their own away from coaches in the summer. And so, you know, there is a, a certain level of uh, comfort between the two position groups. And I think that's only going to help us. But we certainly have a long way to go after today. But today's day one is all. You've seen Nick Ford at a lot of different positions in his career. This year he'll play center for you. Uh, why is center a good fit for him? I think he may have one of the highest football IQs of any player I've had since I've been here. He has a good presence about him. He's got great leadership skills. Uh, the kids listen to him. And uh, going back to the first point, I mean, there's a lot of things that uh, he'll see when we're watching film, and he does a great job communicating with guys. When I mean, we had Satawa, Jaron, uh, two basically brand-new players uh, in there, and he did a nice job of working with those guys, and I, I expect him to do the same thing this fall. There's Jim Harding. Now here's the tight ends coach, Freddie Whittingham. How was day one? I thought day one was very good. You know, at day one practice, you're looking for clean alignment, assignment, execution. I thought we had that on offense, and um, I thought it was a great first day. Energy level was great, passion. Players were excited to be out here. Coaches were excited to be out here. I thought it was a great first practice. Uh, is this the deepest room you've had since you've been coaching tight ends? Uh, yes, it is, for sure. You know, we've got 
a uh, couple three-year starters back in Cole Fotheringham, Brant Keithy. We added Dalton Kincaid last season as a transfer. Very talented guy. Thomas Yasmin's back healthy. Um, and it goes on and on. So, yes, yeah, definitely the deepest room I've had since I've been here in six years, I think, as tight end coach. What's, what's you know, obviously we know the two top guys, but with Kincaid and, and Yasmin, what, what are you hoping to get from them this fall to – to help them get the depth chart a little bit more and, and get some more playing experience. Yeah, well, Dalton, more familiarity in the offense now. This is his second full year. Uh, he's a really talented guy. You see him, saw him make plays in the University of San Diego at the FCS level. He was All-American. I think he led the FCS in touchdowns for tight ends. And uh, we're just, we got to find ways to, to get them all involved and get him the ball. Thomas Yasmin is a phenomenal physical talent. You know, he's, he's tall, fast, big, strong. Uh, he's 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 caught on quite a bit. You know, he never played football before he got here. He's a rugby player, and I expect big things out of him this year too because his development has come along quite a bit. What what is the outlook on uh, Isaac Baja, you know, the kid playing at, at a Pleasant Grove, and you know, a, a, a pretty raw prospect at least early on? But. Yeah, Isaac, man, tremendous size. He's the biggest tight end we have, and he's a true freshman, 18 years old, about six foot six, 270 pounds. Um, so the key with Isaac is going to be getting his fitness level up. All right, getting him in shape, uh, working on his fundamentals and technique. And, you know, whether it's this year or down the road, I definitely see him as a promising guy that's going to help us out for sure, especially at the line of scrimmage. You know, with his size and his, his strength and his ability to uh, be a run blocker. Uh, and he's also athletic. You know, he's a great basketball player in high school. He shows that, you know, his ability to move in space and his ball skills. And so I think, you know, as he develops in the program, he's, he's going to be special. Coach Harding talked about needing to be better in pass protection this year. What what role do you guys play in, in that? Obviously, being on the line, but also being receivers. Yeah, when, when we run the play-action pass, there are certain schemes that keep the tight ends in uh, on, on that. So we've got to, first of all, we got to strain and understand that uh, we got to do everything that it takes to keep our quarterback protected, all right? We're the only thing between the defender and our quarterback, and we've got to have that mentality that nobody gets to our quarterback. Um, and I think we've got some quarterbacks, if they get a little bit of time, they have the, uh, the uh, arm strength and the accuracy to get the ball down the field. And, you know, if we, if we can do that and give them uh, that protection, I think they, they both have the opportunity to be really dangerous QBs. Where did you challenge uh, both Cole and Brant this offseason to get better? Both have shown real glimpses and have had some highlights, but coaches are always wanting guys to get better. Where did you challenge them to get better? Yeah, for Cole, um, it was getting his shoulder healthy. You know, he had offseason shoulder surgery, so he had to rehab that and then also increasing his speed and explosiveness. For Brant, it was putting on a little bit of bulk, all right? And also, he's going to be even more diverse in the offense, playing at various positions, so expanding his role uh, even more. You know, he's already kind of a, a, a hybrid player but we're gonna we're gonna move him all over the field so the defense doesn't you know know where to defend him you know uh, play by play scheme by scheme so and I think both of them you know at their juniors this year really seniors but with the COVID carryover year um, you know fourth year starting in this program the expectation is for them to be awesome leaders too you know to really show the way to the the younger guys and bring the rest of the guys along with them. All right, there's Freddie Whittingham, and before him, Jim Harding. Now, here is Cam Rising, battling for the starting quarterback job that he won last year, and then 14 plays later, lost because of an injury. Trying to get healthy, get back on track, and see if they can win the job this year, here's Utah quarterback Cam Rising.
There's Cam Rising when we come back from the Utes to the Cougars. BYU head coach Kalani Sataki on BYU's first day of practice. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Well, the youth practice is already open. Now BYU gets going. Kalani Sataki meeting with the media. A lot of questions. they got to replace five guys who were drafted by the NFL, another eight guys who signed free agent contracts. And yet, Kalani's going to tell you, hey, everybody else was watching, and now they know those guys improved a lot in the year. If I improve in the year, I could be next. Uh, also, he gets a lot of questions about vaccinations, and he's going to turn those aside quite deftly, I might add. Here's Kulani Sataki on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. What was your impression of the offense on day one? Uh, how did they look Oh, I'm going to say what everybody always says. got to watch more film and see it. But uh, uh, my my general feel from, from practice just coming out, off of it is that uh, I really like how the players work during the offseason. And uh, they took... Uh, care of themselves, got themselves ready. I mean, you can see that they look like they're in shape and they run well. And uh, I kind of like the way that they've performed with the PRPs. Things are a lot clean, cleaner than I've seen, but still have a lot of work to do, a lot more install, a lot of things to go. But 
offensively, defensively, special teams. I was, I was really pleased with day one practice, mostly because I'm, for me as a head coach, I'm, I'm gauging it on effort and um, you know the how clean things are run. I'm not looking at, at who's making what plays. I'll, I'll do that right now after we're done here. But uh, for the most part, really, really excited about what I saw today. What's the uh, vaccination rate right now in your program? Well, I don't know the details of it all, but I know that we're working. I mean, it's really important for us to get on the field, and, and uh, we've done a great job as a program and as a department working with our sports medicine department last year to get on the field, and we're continuing to do that now. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details of it all. I just know that it's important to educate our players and to work well with the sports medicine department in order to get our guys on the field. and and uh, keep the community safe. So that's that's what we're committed to do. And a lot of that has to do with education and uh, letting them know what's happening daily in, in concerns with COVID and the Delta variant, things like that. With education, have, have, has the program, have you guys brought in medical experts to maybe educate the players in regards to the, the vaccine? Yeah, and we've been communicating really well with them from the sports medicine department, but also uh, from our, um, you know, from our administration, from Tom all the way down and I think it's important to educate the players but also the staff and so it's been it's gone really well what about your coaching staff vaccination rate will you share that with us no I'm not gonna share that I, I, I the same thing the coaches need the education just like the players do all, all of us do right so uh, that's more a question for Tom Homo and I know it's really important I'm, I'm concerned about the well-being of everyone and so uh, but that's not my expertise. My expertise is to try to get these guys in the position to try to get to the game, you know, and that means uh, looking at the protocols and policies and working with the people that, that are, are in charge and have the expertise in that, in that field. What makes a, a good day one uh, practice to start things off? What, what do you feel was some highlights? Well, for me, it's to see what they did in the offseason and how it paid off. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of big plays made today, but uh, I needed to see you know, certain guys if they got bigger, you know, and uh, they got stronger, and for a lot of others, if they got healthy. And so um, that was nice for me, encouraging to see the amount of guys that are out there making plays and uh, the camaraderie and the connection that our players have with each other. Was there any sort of energy shift knowing that you guys do actually have an opponent for game one and this day one football game? Yeah, we've had, we've had a, I mean, I don't think uh, we're lacking energy in, on our on our sideline or on our team. And it always helps to have the players that uh, they just love football. They've been looking forward to this day for a long time, you know. And so you're right. Just have, I think having the uh, goal that we know that we're going to be playing somewhere uh, September 4th. We're going to be playing against, in Vegas against Arizona. Um, that that's a that's a good. Last year we were concerned about if we were going to be playing or who, right? And so now um, it's kind of going back to being things back to normal. Um, but I just I don't think this team, and I don't think I, I can probably speak for everyone in in general. I don't think there's a lot of the, the pandemic was really hard, but I don't think we're going to take a lot of things for granted anymore. I think this is a a new shift in in how we conduct our lives and 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 how we live it. Talking to a couple of your players, it seemed like they were really eager to build on what you guys did last year. Do you, do you sense kind of that eagerness to, to progress and build on last year from what you're seeing on the practice field and what you're seeing off of the practice field? Yeah, and I think you said they're eager to do it. I think they're, yeah, they're anxious. They want to get out there. They want to, I mean, you can see what, what how much could take place in a year, improvement. I mean, 
Zach went from really not being known in, in the football world to the second pick in the NFL draft and starting quarterback right now. So um, that's exciting that these guys know him and they've been here with him for the last few years and seen the progress that he's made and they've seen the commitment that he's had, especially in the last year. And so a lot of them are, are understanding that it could be done. And so that, that's, that's something that's encouraging to them. They can see what happened with Dax and others. And so the, I think there's, a, this, there's eagerness to be the, the next one up. So, so was there anyone at practice today that you felt made a big jump that you weren't really expecting over the offseason? I don't know. I'm not gonna. I don't know if I can name one. Ryan Rico booted the crap out of the ball today, a lot. So, but I hope to never see him on the field. <laughs> you got a lot of position battles uh, beyond, beyond just simply the quarterback spot. Uh, in practices without pads, how much can really be gained from in, in determining those battles in these practices before the pads go on? Yeah, I mean, the guys had to learn how to work together and work against each other um, in, in when we don't have the pads on yet. But uh, there's there's plenty of f the physical part of the game is still. I mean, they, they, they're still really physical. They just don't have the shoulder pads on to really help or even get more physical and aggressive. But uh, the guys are still banging bodies. They're still competing. You, you can't tell the difference between a, a DB and a receiver playing one-on-one -on -one and in coverage whether they have pads on or not they're still going live and so you're still seeing a lot of the competitive elements to it um, I, I just like that that our, our guys can learn how to be physical but also be smart and know how to take care of each other and that's NFL teams are doing it too we have to learn how to how to work together and how to how to practice together and that means um, knowing when to hold off and when to go uh, you know with the tempo when, when, when we can be 100% uh, aggressive and physical I'm curious when it comes to the BYU football program, your guys' identity over the last couple seasons, several seasons, has been leadership. And for you, what do you expect out of your veterans this year uh, to kind of embrace that leadership identity that you guys have always had? Yeah, I, well, it's just, I think I think for me, it's allowing the players an opportunity to lead. And I think, uh, you know, you don't have to earn um, a starting spot to be a leader. You just have to be willing to lead by example or, uh, stand up for what's what's right, and and defend the culture that we have in this team, and 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 don't mind correcting it. And so I, I've I've felt really good collaborating with the players and and allowing them to feel ownership in this program. I think uh, with guidance, I mean that that's my job is to help them, but I want them to feel like the, I want them to feel empowered, and and want them to find ways and innovative ways to get better as a program, and that means giving them opportunities to lead. I I. I, I I know people vote on captains and things like that, but I want to have everyone on our team feel like they can be leaders. We have a bunch of guys on our roster that were captains of their high school teams, you know, so I think they're all used to being leaders. I think it, it, there's, there's two parts of being a leader is having the, the courage to stand up and say things that are right and make corrections and, and praise others that are doing it well and then for others to be humble enough to be led. Klein, what's the status of uh, Anoka and Elia Miguel, uh, two signees in the 2021 class? Are you expecting them at some point this camp? Yeah, they're still working on some um, on some things with uh, with um, eligibility and stuff like that. So we're it's still on hold right now. And then RMs, Kate Albright, Michael Daly, are they going to be gray shirting or what's that? Um, Kate Albright, yeah, it's it's going to be. I think he's going to start in January. Some of them. It all depends on their missions when they get home, the timing for it. 
Uh, so probably gray shirt. For guys like um, that are on the roster but not in camp, they're all dealing with certain things that are usually have to deal with health. So they're either getting better shape and getting healthier or um, a few of them have to deal with um, eligibility issues. So that's what it breaks down. If, if they're not here presently on the roster in practice, then, then they're, they're dealing with those two things. Or uh, if they're not here in going to school, then they're going to gray shirt. Were there any players this offseason elevated from walk-on status to, to a scholarship? Um, yeah, there were some, but we just Care to share any of those? I'll let them share it with you guys when, when they feel right. I'm surprised they haven't done it already in social media, but I thought you guys were going to tell me who's on scholarship. But no, I, I mean, I, if you want to get an honest answer, I wish all of them were on scholarship. That's how I really feel. And I have this, uh, this love for walk-ons because they, they sacrifice the most. They're willing to pay for it in so many different ways and, and definitely out of the pocket. So they're always going to have a special part of my heart when it comes to this football program. And I'm glad that they... You know, that they can be elevated and have opportunities, but I don't. Um, we're limited in the number of scholarships, but they can participate and, and feel ownership on this team as well, even though they're walk-on. Kalani, what's the uh, what's the overall message to the team uh, less than a month away from game one? Yeah, we just keep keep uh, promoting our culture and living it the right way, and I think that's. Uh, you know, I, obviously, we we're doing some things that are different this year than last year because we have to. Um, we can't just approach the same game plan every year and hope that it's going to work. I think we're a little bit more proactive in trying to um, get things to work out our, our way, whether it's on offense, defense, or special teams, or off the field with what we're trying to build in our team culture. That's, gonna, that's the key. Year six, I feel like you've... Uh... Obviously, you've learned a lot in, in the five years prior. Uh, feel like you're hitting your stride. You have a clear vision of what you want your BYU football program to be. I'm older. Uh, I had no gray hair until I got here. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> yeah, you guys all do remind me how old I'm getting. No, but I, um, man, I'm just so thankful for it. You know, I, I'm really uh, just just for everything that's happened in my life to to get to this point. I mean, I. I was a BYU fan, and so I got to play here for Lavelle Edwards, and now I'm the head coach. And so I'm living a dream, and so I don't take any day for granted, and I appreciate every moment I have. And I just love love the fans and, and love college football and love the, the role that I have in it and with these young men. So just really thankful for it. I, I've definitely – I'm not uh, immune from making mistakes, and so – but I'm going to learn from them, and I'm going to try to get better and, and – and, uh, put the focus on these young men and uh, getting them to achieve their dreams. So that's that's the key. I, it's been, yeah, I'm getting older. I hope to get, I mean, I hope I age well, but um, I'm not sure about that one, but I'll keep working on it. I, I don't know if I changed my diet plan or anything, but I told you guys, my, my, my diet plan is a resurrection. So I'm just going to keep, <laughs> I'm just going to keep going how I am right now and being happy. <laughs> since, since we last saw you at uh, Media Day, uh, NILs went into effect. Has that caused any maybe distractions in, in your workflows as the head coach of the program with uh, with, with players in, involved in NIL? Yeah, not in our program, no. Uh, I think it's been guys are focused on, on accomplishing uh, a lot of things, uh, their goals in regards to our football program, our team, and I'm happy that individuals are getting an opportunity to make money. Uh, I think that, that they have a right to do that, but uh, it's not has not been a distraction for us at all. 
since you're coaching on the same field you used to be on as a player, you ever get flashbacks to the old days of two days when you walk out on a day one like this? Or? Yeah, I do. I have flashbacks of um, stretching underneath the shade of the, that large tree. And um, no, I, I, I miss playing. I, I yeah, I, for me, it's it's. Uh, I get to drive by the stadium every day when I go to work and every night when I go home. And so, just I can't believe that I'm here and I get to do this. And so every day on that field, I feel it just for me, it's just I feel really honored to be there. You know what I mean? And I had a lot of memories, a lot of opportunities to grow and learn and become a better person because of this place. And so. I just want our players to have that same kind of impact in their life, and hopefully I can do for them what Lavelle did for me. Last couple of questions, if you have any others. How, how much of Arizona prep has the coaching staff dove, dove into uh, the game? A lot. I think we have to because it's a new staff, and they're coming from so many different places, and, and it's just trying to prep for what to, uh, what to expect, you know, and then, then anticipating things that they can do with their, with their personnel. They have some talent on their team, man. So, so I, I think we have to be ready for everything. And, um, you know, Coach Fish is going to do a good job getting them ready for that game. There's Kalani Sataki. When we come back, Craig Bowlerjack. Talking jazz, talking summer league, trades, drafts, free agency, the whole bit. Bowler's next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Craig Bowlerjack joining us late in yesterday's show. You'll hear some time references. Uh, the final day of Summer League is not tomorrow. The final day of Summer League is tonight. The Jazz White team will play the Blue team 7 o'clock, Vivint Arena. All right, here is Bowler with PK and I on 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. Bowler, good morning. DJ, PK, how are you? Good. A lot of what has happened in this summer has been fairly predictable. I think most people, you included, expected Mike Conley would re-up. Maybe didn't know it for sure, but expected it. And it happened. But now there have been some other moves. Rudy Gay? Son Whiteside? What's the biggest surprise? Well, per reports, as I have to say, because I work for the Jazz, uh, I'm intrigued uh, with what the, the Jazz uh, have done. And it's all going to be coming. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're just going to stop right there, Bowler. Yeah. So were you listening when PK said that? Because i got to tell you, he just did a victory dance that I wish I didn't see. It was disgusting. No, you know, but intrigued honestly, is the word he went with, and now you've gone with it, and he figures yeah. if he if Bowler agrees with him, then it is time. I'm on the right side of history. Right, exactly. It's time right, for a victory right. lap. Yeah, those are all per reports, and I have to say that because, again, tomorrow everything becomes official. But – I am intrigued, PK. Right, DJ. <laughs> yes. I mean, we did know that Conley was the uh, was the target uh, to you know continue on the way um, to stay healthy would be the most important issue uh, going forward. And hopefully, the Jazz have a plan in place. You can never predict injury, but I would hope uh, that Mike can stay as healthy as can be. Um, and then, of course, the other ones that uh, I, I think Rudy Gay. Uh, again, per reports, brings in uh, DJ and PK <clears throat> length, bench strength, 
uh, I'm intrigued by that. Now, look, some of these players, except for Pascal, are are veterans in this league, right? Uh, and Pascal is another reported uh, free agent signing that's a great dear friend of Donovan Mitchell, and so that's that's good chemistry. But it's youth, right? Uh, so I'm intrigued. I think that the Jazz, you know, had a plan. Justin Zanuck said it himself. Uh, there's a plan in place. Can they go out and actually? execute the plan and i think overall at this point in time they're happy i think they've beefed up their bench they've given quinn snyder options uh to allow them to play um small ball if necessary against teams that are throwing different looks at the jazz as we saw during the playoffs so i'm excited i mean camp's just around the corner and what is today the fifth of of august preseason probably underway i haven't seen the schedule officially but i believe about two months out that's eight weeks and we'll start to get some answers well it's clear dj listening to the esteemed craig bolajack <laughs> that i really know my stuff obviously I, mean, yeah. I, I don't think we can argue on that i mean it's just it's overwhelming and it's almost like uh, the two are one mind Two different hearts beating together as one mind in that response. Is there a song? Yeah, there that? is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought so. Well, yeah. yeah, it's beautiful, and I'll sing it later if you want. Okay. Uh, I, guys, we, we go, have to go out. <laughs> I would appreciate those tunes. And I'll tell you, and i got to be honest, there's a couple of guys that just in summer league that jumps and, and you know, continue could be a part of this of this roster as well. Trent Force, I think, you know, he was asked to organize and run an offense. That was uh, his challenge. Uh, by uh, the summer league head coach Brian Bailey said, "Look, I want to see him organize and run a, run a, run the show." And last night, I thought he played well. He didn't have to shoot and score a lot, even though he did have a double double. But you know, I like uh, the way he was distributing the ball, and and um, yeah, I was I was impressed with both he and Doak. I mean, those both both those guys showed they've been in the league. And I thought it, it, they shined. I thought it, it, they proved that last night, especially the game. You know, the first night, DJ, you were on radio, and you know, you saw what I saw, and uh, I still thought they looked comfortable and, and Forrest looked really aggressively offensively. But last night, he was more uh, about being a point guard and, and putting guys in the right place. And I thought he's been very impressive in the two games we've watched. So when I look at these acquisitions reported to be. We put it on a grading scale, and so I eliminate the D and F grades. Don't consider those, and then I go as far as being the intriguing aspect of it is that these acquisitions as a whole, not any individual, including Conley, in the return. So put them all together in a pot, and as I grade them, I think they can be why why it's intriguing is because it could be average, so that would be a C. It could be above average which would be a B, or it could be excellent, which is an A. And I'm not sure, is it going to be A, B, or C? I've eliminated D or F. I don't think that it'll be bad, but they could be average, or it could be excellent, or anywhere in between, and that's why I'm intrigued. Oh, yeah, it's a good breakdown of A, B, and C. I mean, it it depends on do they truly fit the system, and do they buy in? Those are the things we don't know, right? If they do, that's an A grade. A B grade would be probably PK uh, to see them fit in, understand their role, accept the role in so-called limited minutes, but yet important minutes, right? And if they don't buy in and they just are here 
and they said, okay, it was a destination point, which I don't think it is. I really don't. I mean, again, we won't know until you get a chance to discuss and talk and, and, and see, uh, you know, I think all of us kind of see body language and understand, you know, how involved they want to be. But, you know, I, I think the days, honestly, of just saying, okay, um, I'm going to go and take take a contract and see where I can go from there. But I think the Quinn Snyder, the Donovan Mitchells, the Rudy Gobert's, the Dwayne Wade's, the new ownership group has a lot to do with the aggressive nature of uh, what the reported, you know, signings are. So um, I'm with you, PK. Uh, I think, you know, the grades, you can't grade yet. It's not fair. But, you know, you say A to C. Yeah. But you, you got to hope it's in the B-plus range, right? right. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Achieve, yeah. To achieve the ultimate goal because you already know they've got A grades uh, with a couple of players that are starters, and they only make those other players better around them. There have been some whiffs and some off-season moves in previous years, and I realize, you know, there's been a change now. To what degree, you know, how much, how how different is it going to be? Because they did promote someone who was within the organization who had a say. He just didn't have the final say. So Jay-Z's calling the shots, not Dennis Lindsay. You know, the Jeff Green thing, that didn't work, and that's why they let him go, and they moved right, on real quick right. from that. Uh, Davis, I, and, you know, Ed Davis was a guy that everyone liked, but again, sometimes time catches up. That's where I was going with this. I don't think they signed to Jeff Green. I'm not worried about that. And maybe that would be the exception to PK's ruling out the DNF. But the fact that Rudy Gay was in San Antonio for four years with Popovich, he's got to have a level of buy-in and commitment and professionalism and whatever other words you want to throw in there because... He lasted four years in the Spurs, and they wouldn't have put up with a lot of nonsense. So what I'm worried about with him, if it's really going to go south then, is what happened to Ed, where the Jazz bought in just as everything went away. You know, and when you can't move lateral and you can't jump anymore and things just, you know, at some point father time gets you, do you buy into that exact moment? Uh, Mm -hmm. Rudy can... Rudy Gay can shoot it. He shot 38% from three. That's a good number. Three years ago, he shot 40%. That's a great number. But he's also had these 31 and 33% seasons in San Antonio from three. And maybe it's the players who are around him. And so, you know, playing off of Donovan and Mike, maybe it'll be different. But I guess those numbers, I look at them and think, well, why did that happen? Well, what what intrigues me is space uh, in the respect of of Clarkson and – uh, Donovan, uh, Joe, uh, those on the roster as we speak command respect. That's why the Jazz were, you know, on top of the heap shooting threes last year at 39%. And, you know, we know how many, they took, what, 47? Uh, I think I'm in the right ballpark close to it. Um, and it's, it's, I think the system will only give Gay uh, opportunity uh, to, to show his skills. I mean, he will not be the most uh, sought after. Uh, you know, they have, defense will have, defenses will have other worries. And so what I'm saying is he's going to have looks, open looks. And, you know, park yourself in the corner and get the job done. Um, but, you know, a lot of this is just to give the second unit uh, more viability and then also to allow teams to see different looks from the Utah Jazz. And, Everyone's going to have to buy into that as well. I mean, 
Were the Jazz exposed somewhat against the Clippers? Yes, in some ways. The league has moved to 6'8", 6'9", guys, 6'10". And Rudy obviously does his job and does it well. But also there's times the teams try to throw different looks. And now Quinn has tools, uh, reportedly, that will give him uh, those options. And I think that's a, that's a great thing in, in a Western Conference. It's still PKDJ, in my mind, stays wide open. Uh, I mean, Chris Paul reportedly re-signs with Phoenix. And then you look at Jamal Murray with the ACL. You don't know what Kawhi's situation will be health-wise with a repaired ACL as well. Golden State's beefed up. Um, and Portland is kind of still in that, you know, gray area, in my opinion. Dallas, yeah, I've always been, you know, respectful of what the Mavericks put on the floor. But uh, and San Antonio, let's be honest. As much as I, you know, uh, admire Popovich and his tenure and the way he coaches, you know, look, they've they've got to retool here, right? They got some pieces, uh, but they still have a, a ways to go, and they're taking a deep look at some players uh, right here in Salt Lake City. So for a team that's in the mix to win it all and the Jazz making moves to indicate that's what they believe and we all believe it too, we'll see what happens. But with that in mind, it's hard for me to believe that a second-round pick can be in the rotation. But do you think there's a shot with their draft pick, Butler? I absolutely do. I I think he's a plug-in guy, PK. Look, you know, again... I have to say reportedly will be signed tomorrow. But if you look at his background and what he was able to accomplish to win an NCAA championship, it's impressive. First and foremost, good three-point shooter. Um, he's, he's got handles. He is coachable. He's hungry. He's had to go through his own life's challenge reportedly again. You know, had the heart issue that was he knew about in college. I think teams backed off in the NBA. The Jazz decided to look, and the doctors gave him the green light to go. I was impressed with his his talk uh, to the media just last week. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those roll the dice, and I, I wish for him nothing but great health. But I think that they're, everyone's comfortable with that. But what I've seen on tape, he, he's a player that could be literally a steal uh, going from trading, you know, out of the 30 spot and grabbing him in the 40 position, um, that that could be one of the biggest coups of the 2021 draft. Again, only time will tell. But does he fit the system? Yes, I think he does. And I think the Jazz found themselves an incredible pick, who many thought would be could have been lottery or uh, a mid. To, you know, a mid to late first round pick, and the Jazz pick him up at number forty. So uh, those go. You know what, PK? Later in, in like January, when you want to start putting grades out, right? A, B, and C. He's going to be part of that uh, that discussion. Uh, I truly believe that he has the ability to find minutes um, from the get go as a rookie. So, Bowler, what are your doubts about this team going forward? Because it does seem wide open. That means everybody's got a flaw somewhere. Otherwise, somebody would be a heavy favorite. Well, I'm not sure in the West, you know, is is, West, is Russell Westbrook the true fit and the true answer for LeBron's, you know, final run at, a, at another title. Um, you know, they've gathered a lot of veterans because they don't have a lot of money to spend. And so there's a lot of guys willing to put their hand up and say, hey, I'll give it a go at 36. 
37 uh, under the league, you know, veterans minimum. So we'll see. We'll see how that one turns out. The Clippers, again, with Kawhi, uh, they need that piece to make a big run. The Jazz have every opportunity to be in the mix at the top of the heap, in my opinion. Look, Chris Paul had one of his greatest years at age 36, and he remained healthy throughout the playoffs, which usually that does not happen. If the Jazz were healthy, we will never know. But it still plays mind games of the what-if game. What if? Well, we may get another chance to to live it. Um, Will they be the best team in the NBA record-wise? Who knows? But I still think the whole bottom line to it, what I've learned, uh, in these in this in this postseason was you have to have your help. If you don't, one piece falls out, and teams become very fragile. Uh, and the Jazz know that as well as anybody. So, you know how you get through 82 games and how deep your team is and how well you're uh, you've reloaded and the depth that you have at each position uh, is, is the most important thing in my in my opinion. I think the Jazz have helped themselves. I really do. On paper, the Lakers look dynamic, but I'm not sure if the chemistry will be there. I'm not sure if Westbrook will ever give the ball up to AD or LeBron. It could cause issues from the get-go. You know, it kind of travels with him, right? We know that. Is he a great one-on-one player? Absolutely. I'm not sure about the team concept. And playing with LeBron, you've got to be in tune. You've got to be special. Um, I'm not sure Damian Lillard and McCollum, they've, they've run this story before, and I guess they're going to run it again at the moment, but I like their backcourt, but yet again, it's the pieces you put around them. And I know it's got to be frustrating for Blazers fans because that's a, that's a dynamic one-two punch uh, in Portland. But I think the Jazz have just as great of opportunity uh, to be in the, uh, to be in the show, the big, the big, <laughs> the, the Western conference finals as anybody. I really do. Uh, the East is loaded up. I tell you what, Chicago, Miami, New York. Um, wow. They made some big moves, and uh, I think the East is going to be uh, pretty difficult too this year. Are you going to Vegas? You know what? I'd like to go down and watch some games, but we're not. Bro- I'm not broadcasting, okay. but I still would like to go. I'm, I haven't decided yet. Um, I'm not sure what the mask up policy is down there, PK. But uh, if it's 117, it may be difficult, but. Uh, I would like to go. I, I think it's a great scene. It's a great place to go. Great place to be inside Thomas and Mac and Cox Pavilion. I love. I love summer league. So you think a mask in 117 degrees? That's a combination you want no part of, huh? Well, you know, I'm gonna have to think about it. You know, <laughs> sweating yeah. like on a hot was, summer day. I think it's in supposed KC. to cool down to 108 on Monday, so it, it may, that may change my mind. Well, I was down there last week, and I had the mask and the t- and the uh, tank top, so I looked fine. You look good, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the tank top—that's what it really is about, right? And it was a long tank top because that's all it was. Did you wear some of that white? Uh, what do you call that on your face for burning? Um, that oxide swimmer. stuff. I tan swimmer. naturally. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Obviously, tan naturally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of the many gifts. Oh, DJ, what a fun show. <laughs> Are you okay over there? I burn naturally. <laughs> Leave me out in the sun for about 15 minutes. It's lobster You're time. Uh, You're lobster, man. <laughs> yep. That's Swedish blood. I blame my grandmother. Yep. It's her yeah, fault. I've got one son who can walk outside and flash just 
just tan and, and looks like he's been out for for weeks and months. And then others, I don't know what happened. It's like it's like you burn, yep, burn. All right, Bowler. Well, you enjoy your eight weeks of downtime until uh, until the preseason kicks in. It won't be long now. Yeah, no, I'm excited. One more night of uh, summer league tomorrow. Uh, I like the, the, the battle between Memphis and San Antonio, and then the the late game is the Jazz going after each other, uh, the White and the uh, Blue squads. And if you get a chance, drop by seven and nine o'clock uh, or five and seven. Pardon me, I'm thinking in Eastern time, but five and seven. Had a good crowd last night, um, and um, I'm again anxious to see more of Doak. Uh, the big guy can play, and uh, I'm, I'm impressed with his ability to uh, throw up a little hook shot, and uh, his play at the rim is dynamic as well. So, again, we haven't seen much of him because of the, the ankle injury he had in the bubble last February, but I'm glad to see him on the floor, and we get a taste of who he is and, and uh, why the Jazz drafted him. I got the white team favored by 16.5 points. 16 and a half. 16 and a half, yeah. Set the yeah line. There's some talent there. There's no doubt. A little more depth. And those guys have all played together for a few years, too. It makes a difference. Well, it makes a big difference. DK, sing us out, man. Two hearts is one. What is that? <laughs> what happened? The batteries run down? You just want to give a little tease, man. Yeah, it's a tease. That's that's his new album coming out Don't you have any showmanship ability in you? Tease, right on. Two hearts believing in just one mind. You know we're two hearts believing in just (laughs) one mind. Did you want me to go all the way? I wanted you. I've never heard you sing (laughs) Phil Collins before. I always thought it'd be in the air tonight, but if it's two hearts, so be it. It's always in the air tonight with me. (laughs) Hey-oh. Oh, man. Bowler, good news. You get to escape. All right, I'm out. You got another half hour. Yep. Talk to you, Bowler. See you, guys. There is Craig Bowlerjack. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are next. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. The football season has begun. It was ugly. Hopefully you didn't spend too much time watching it. But they played the game in Canton, Ohio, the Hall of Fame preseason game, and the Steelers won 16-3. There were a couple local guys who looked pretty good. Wasn't half bad. Dalton Schultz got a pass for 15 yards. Expect him to do some stuff for the Cowboys. Jimmy Foco caught a pass for four yards. So, it's not exactly the Utah Cowboys, but, you know, there's a little flavor there. Starting quarterbacks didn't play for either team, so move along. Not much to see here. But Josh Dobbs played for Pittsburgh, and you know why I hate Josh Dobbs? Did he go to high school in Arizona, play well in college, and now he's in the pros and he blew off your Sun Devils? He blew them off, but no, he's from Georgia, and he was an early commit, I think, and or went right down to the end and didn't choose his. He broke my heart, Fredo. There it is. You're not my brother. You're not my quarterback. You're dead to me. 
Cowboys owner and GM Jerry Jones did not say when it would happen, but he made an announcement last night that Jimmy Johnson will be inducted into the team's ring of honor. Johnson will be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this weekend in Canton, Ohio. So Jerry figured, well, if he's going to be in the hall, I guess I have to put him in the ring of honor. Then I'll make an announcement and get some attention. Then later I'll announce the date and get some more attention. Yeah, I thought it was pretty funny when Jimmy said, you're going to do it while I'm alive? (laughs) 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 I I got a chuckle out of that when he said it. And Troy Aikman obviously was there uh, broadcasting the game, and he was a a big-time endorser of uh, that happening for Jimmy Johnson. You would have thought that it would have happened earlier, I guess, but... If you're going to go in the hall, you probably should be in your team's individual if you don't have some. Some have a hall, some have that ring of honor thing, what we've seen. So you'd think if you go in the Pro Football Hall of Fame that you'd have the individual honor for the team that you're largely going in for. I mean, obviously he coached uh, the Dolphins too, but from the Hall of Fame perspective, it's uh, the accomplishments with the Cowboys. Personalities get sideways. Grudges have to be overcome. Sometimes there's falling outs. It takes a while for, you know... There'd be enough healing or enough public pressure or enough combination of the two. Adrian Dantley's number didn't go into the rafters real quick for the Jazz, but they got it up. So, Yeah, I think when we go in, you know, it's going to have to be something where I'm going to have to come to grips with uh, the animosity that I have for you. <laughs> okay. Ring of Honor for radio. I don't see that right around the corner, so I think you'll have some time to work well, on all that no, animosity. The Hall of Fame. There's got to be something out there. I didn't think <laughs> of Ring of Honor. You know, oh, okay. Something. If not, we'll start our own. No, the University of Utah does something for broadcasting. I went up there when Bill Marcroft went in. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember a little, when, little uh, ceremony and some when Randy Rogers, our former yeah, GM, right and, and yeah. uh, Mary Nichols went in. Right. Went yeah, up, we were up for up. that, too. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Despite a 20% revenue drop in 2020 due to the coronavirus pandemic, the average value of the 32 NFL franchises is up 14% to $3.48 billion, according to Forbes. It's the biggest gain in five years. For the 15th straight year, the Cowboys are the most valuable team at $6.5 billion. So in the short run, they lost money. But the long run picture, because they did sign a broadcast deal for 11 years, it's worth a gazillion dollars. And so... That, combined with there's billionaires who want to own teams and love the ego play, makes them worth even more money. NFL owners win again. How about that? Oh, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, that's a blip of what we had for the one year. But going forward, yeah, in NFL football, I actually thought that in, in a sense that you valued it more because uh, the NFL wasn't specifically taken away from you, but sports were taken away from you. And the NFL has become such a thing to look forward to that it's really just amazing. So to me, this is is zero surprising. Robert Griffin III has signed a multi-year deal with ESPN to be a college football and NFL analyst. The deal does allow Griffin to seek a playing opportunity if one arises in the NFL. He was really good in college. He started out really good in the pros, but he got flipped upside down and the whiplash on his knee tore ligaments, and he was never the same after that. But he'll probably be pretty good in the booth, I would think. He always seemed like he was a talker, so. Sure. I'll bet he'll be good. DJ and PK. Hashtag BYU. 
My general feel from, from practice just coming out off of it is that uh, I really like how the players work during the offseason. And uh, they took care of themselves, got themselves ready. I mean, you can see that they look like they're in shape and they run well. And uh, I kind of like the way that they perform the PRPs. Things are a lot cleaner than I've seen, but still have a lot of work to do, a lot more install, a lot of things to go with offensively, defensively, special teams. I was, I was really pleased with day one practice. So Kalani prefaced his remarks by basically apologizing for uh, being a cliche monger. I'm going to tell you guys the stuff we always say now. Got to watch the film. and <laughs> That was nice. Any surprises out of this, PK? Or they are who you thought they were, at least on day one. Well, day one, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you come out and say, man, we really struggled after day one, that just sets the tone <laughs> that is so ugly. I don't know that any coach in the history of any sport – day one, particularly with this situation in college football with the acclimation stuff where you've got to go through uh, a few days before you can put the shoulder pads on and allow tackling, allow hitting, blah, 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 all that stuff. So you would suspect that the, this is this is essentially uh, a continuation of what they've been doing on their own. And, you know, Aaron Roderick, listening to him talk about uh, next week they'll have the installation of the offense. So uh, everybody takes it slow. I remember when Majerus, they played one of those, they used to play those practice games with like, you know, athletes in action or something. Mm-hmm. And they had an, uh, they had the ball, they had to inbound it with the game on the line or set. And he said after the game, he said, we have gotten nowhere close to working on inbounds plays under our own baskets. I just drew something up on a sheet of paper real quick. You know, because it's a gradual thing here. It's the same thing in football here. Although, you know, they don't have a whole lot of time, but uh, I would suspect that uh, by the end of the second week that you're in full gear, but obviously we're not there yet. So all eyes are on the quarterback battle, just like they are at Utah. It's a little more intriguing here since BYU's talking about three guys as opposed to two. Uh, I wonder, though, and I put that up on Facebook. Yep. I think the coaches know. we got Robbie Bosco coming up at the bottom of the hour. And he's been a quarterback in quarterback battles. And he's been a coach with quarterback battles that he had to help decide. Do they, do they have an idea? Because in my mind, I think they do have an idea. Uh, we have several responses. I was impressed with the quality of responses. Everybody seemed to put aside a lot of the, the nonsense and the going for the cheap laughs. And I think a lot of, hit, a lot of people hit on things that are just really true of quarterback battles, and I largely agree with you. Uh, Aaron Roderick said his timeline for picking a starting quarterback midway through training camp remains his plan. We'll run this by Robbie Bosco at 7.30. He'll be with us in 20 minutes. The PK, they know. They just make the guys do it. But they got a pretty good idea 80-90% of the time how this is going to play out. I think sometimes kids really do take strides and get better, or a kid who they think is going to do it, and you go out and throw two or three practice or two or three picks, practice after practice after practice, they're not going to give you the job. That might be what happened up on the hill. We didn't get to see it, and they don't want to embarrass the kid by saying much, but you can read between the lines. They 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 brought in a transfer, they thought he was going to start, but when they put him in practice. He didn't do it, so he went with the other guy. Well, I think la- if you're talking about last year, yes, last year, uh, Cam Rising was exceptionally accurate. I think he won the job. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. 
SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey has agreed to a contract extension that will keep him with the conference through 2026. The extension comes on the heels of Sankey overseeing the addition of Texas and Oklahoma. SEC's a 16-team super conference. He got his bounty. He's a bounty hunter. He brought in Oklahoma, Texas, and he brought him in alive. And he got his just reward. But yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? Florida Gators will spend at least part of their training camp in a hotel as Coach Dan Mullen searches for ways to avoid another COVID-19 outbreak within the program. Mullen said the Gators are probably over the 85% vaccination threshold required by the SEC, but he didn't have an exact number. When I hear probably over, coaches who are really detail-oriented, yeah, he left himself an out from not being over. I immediately doubted that. Over what? Over the 85%. Oh, we're probably over the 85% vaccination threshold. No, you're a coach, you're detail-oriented. You're all over everything. You know whether you're over or not. We're probably over. That means you're not. But you handle the vaccination rate going forward because I'm going to handle what's not going to happen out on the field. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Salt Lake City Summer League wraps up tonight. Another doubleheader featuring the Grizzlies. Taking on the Spurs at 5, the Utah Jazz blue team facing the white team at 7. Games are on KJS 14 and NBA TV. You can listen to it with Scotty G on the call right here on the Zone Sports Network. You got any takeaways from the uh, the Summer League? You got a couple guys you like? Well, for sure, yeah. The, 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 the guys that we expect to from the Jazz perspective. But this is just a, a little snapshot you know, then they go down to Vegas. How many games do they play down there? There's more teams, obviously, and so this is a continuation. Let's see what Azubuke can do because there's an opportunity there. You know, last year was a screwy year for him, and they had a, a severe ankle injury because it seemed like he was out for weeks and months, mm-hmm. uh, and he's got a massive body. We know that. What can he do? So that's number one. He was their number one draft pick, right? So I'm looking for that. Uh, Bryant was a number two draft pick. So what can he do? I mean, they drafted these guys for reasons. And then obviously you've got somebody like a Trent Forrest to see what he can continue. Uh, so I don't want to make a judgment based on a couple of ball games in Salt Lake. I'm not even sure I want to make a judgment based on the entire summer league. But there's a bunch, there's some more games to play. And you have to, uh, I think it's our obligation because of our jobs to follow their progress. But fans want to do it because they're fans of the team, too. And I am to an extent. And so I want to follow it that way for a couple of reasons. So, yeah, I don't I don't go crazy, but I also don't blow it off either because I don't think it should be blown off. I mean, it's important to see what these guys can do. What's their commitment to being in shape and all this type of stuff. And this is their time. You know, this really is their time because when the season starts, well, it's time to try to win a title, and it's time for the team rather than individuals to focus on, because who really cares what the score is now? You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. And it'll be interesting to see if uh, these guys can, as if we gave, you know, battle Hassan Whiteside for playing time as a backup. Right. I think the answer to that is no, but it goes back to, what we were just saying about the quarterbacks, just because you think you know how it's going to play out, you have to allow for one guy who really doesn't deliver or one guy who delivers at a much higher level. And, you know, things start clicking and they take the big jump forward. And we've all heard coaches drop all those cliches, but it happens sometimes. 
Yeah. I, I don't know what the answer is. I can't say. You said that you think the answer is no, and I don't have a problem with that. But in my mind, as I try to evaluate, I don't know yet what the answer is. I want to see some more evidence before I can come to a conclusion. We'll, we'll watch preseason games, too. Well, they haven't announced that schedule yet, but we... We all pay attention to that right. because this is the time. It's like last night for these younger guys that got in for the NFL with Pittsburgh and Dallas. So, you know, I watched some of that game just to see if what the heck. I mean, it's football. I hadn't seen football in a while, so I did turn. I watched a lot of Olympics last night going for the gold with the uh, ladies in beach volleyball. Yeah, big time. I did watch that. So uh, let's see what they can do. Uh, I'm, I have a sense of, well, I don't know if curiosity is the word, but maybe it's it's a soft curiosity. Well, there are surprises. They brought in Green and Davis a couple years ago, and those didn't work out. And, you know, we were 10, 15, 20 games into the regular season, and it started becoming very clear. That's not working out. So, you know, they made a trade, made, made some changes in the rotation. So everything's always up for grabs. You, you have to do it no matter what the expectations are. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. You'll say basketball takes on France tonight, 8.30, gold medal game in Tokyo. Hey, no more behind the paywall stuff. Be on free TV. How about that? I think they're going to put it on NBC. On the... Uh, Oh, why, why on the main? They? Are you yeah. kidding? I was going to say of all the <laughs> events. <laughs> because because there's some track or gymnastic event, because that's mostly what we're swimming. Those are the three sports they give us most of the time. So I don't think you're going to have to go chasing it down on a cable channel. Well, I'm not expecting it. I mean, I, if I have to chase it down, I will. I told my wife was asking about tonight. We're going to go over some friends earlier in the evening. And I said, sure. But I want to be home by 830 because I want to watch this game. Free agent swingman Kelly Oubre Jr. has reportedly agreed to a two-year deal worth $25 million to join the Charlotte Hornets. Spent last season with the Golden State Warriors. He's got a lot of talent, PK. Is he going to break out? Mm. Charlotte's a good place to go because it's off the radar. And, you know, the kid's 25 years old. What's this? Is, is this his fourth team now? Was it Washington, Phoenix, the Warriors, and now the Charlotte Hornets? Something's going on there, you know? 25 years old, that's moving around a lot. Yeah. Charlotte was uh, six games under 500, 10th in the East. Hayward wasn't playing at the end of the year. We knew they'd have some money to use, and so they've used it. See how many teams they can catch. Masai Ujiri, the architect of the Raptors 2019 NBA title team, has agreed to a significant new deal to become vice chairman and president of the franchise. His previous title was president. And I always, vice chairman? I don't always get how they pile these titles on. I mean, was emperor not available? Here, here's more money. Take I've always title. thought the title sultan sounded cool, but I don't know sultan. what you have to do to get that. And you might want to just settle for emperor or vice chairman. Well, for me, as a writer, I've always been a junior writer. We've been over this. <laughs> I think we're going to go over it one more time. I've never been a senior writer. There and it I, is. And honestly, in, in terms of self-evaluation, I don't think I deserve to be a senior writer. A senior reporter, junior writer. How about that? <laughs> oh, no. If we're going to just highlight my writing skills, it would be freshman. DJ PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. PK, I know there's been a lot of talk about launch angles, but did you see Joey Gallo hit his first home run as a member of the Yankees 
beat the Mariners 5-3. to three. That yes. was a moonshot and a massive uppercut. It went over LaGuardia a couple <laughs> of planes. <laughs> He's squinting up into the sky trying to see it as it goes into lunar orbit. And come he said screaming it was up back for almost Earth. seven seconds. I was up there forever. He hit it so high. A towering fly ball. I thought John Vicenda was going to uh, announce it. It was like one of those things of pass in football where you see the ball floating in the air, it's rotating. Super slow motion. Yeah, and the guy's bum. talking through it. That, that was funny. Yeah. And, and Gallo was brought in to hit home runs. He's a Vegas kid. He played. I think he played some ball with Chris Bryant and Bryce Harper. Good grief, he hit that ball a long way up in the air. And it turned out it got over the wall by about three or four feet. Which made it all the more exciting. Yep. Because it was in doubt. You know, a lot of these shots, they're never in doubt. No, no, it was absolutely in doubt. No doubt about that. The Giants got shut out for eight innings and then put four on the board in the ninth to force extra innings, and they beat the Diamondbacks 5-4. The bullpen giving it away. That was uh, Merrill Kelly. Strong start, but couldn't seal the deal. And the well, Giants as I've always it. said, man, you have 31 outs, and it's up to you. <laughs> you have 30 outs, it's up to you. What do you do with those 30 outs? Giants pick up a half game on the Dodgers and the Padres who uh, who weren't playing. Uh, Braves sweep the Cardinals. 8-4. to four. 18 base runners on just seven hits. It's a walk party. Holy cow, somebody throw a strike already. Bo Bichette, that's a fun name. I don't uh, particularly need to report on the game. I just want to say Bo Bichette. He homered and drove in three runs in a 3 nothing win for the Jays over the Indians. Bo Bichette, one last time. Yeah, he's Dante Bichette's son. Yep. They have those three guys of sons on the, on the I was going to say Raptors, but uh, they're not the Raptors. The, the Blue, Blue Jays. Jays. <laughs> uh, so he's a small dude, but he packs some power. Bees lost a season opener in Vegas, 7-5. They'll take on the Aviators again tonight at 8 o'clock. Coverage begins at 7.50 here on the Zone Sports Network. Hashtag RSL. RSL in Portland tonight to face the Timbers. Three games in eight days, but both teams had to play midweek, so that'll be fatigued there. This is a stretch of six games in 22 days. They are really coming fast and furious for RSL. They've only taken five points in the first five games. Not enough. And this is uh, seventh place RSL, eighth place Portland, separated by one point in the battle for the last playoff berth. You can start watching the stand-ins. It's halfway through the season. This is actually exactly halfway through the season. So see what RSL can do on the road. Seeing the Timbers tonight, uh, tomorrow night, excuse me, 8.30 on KMYU, the KSL TV app, and ESPN+. Plus. Big game on turf, PK. Last year was 4-4, so... I don't imagine we'll have that many goals again. All right. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Robbie Bosco, former BYU quarterback, the undefeated 84 champs, BYU Varsity Club director. He joins us next. Dustin Smith, quarterback, elite co-founder, Coach, and now the Spanish Fork High School head coach is going to join us coming up at 8.30. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson.
I remember one time a good friend of mine and I went to the grocery store and he started throwing things over the aisle to me. And I had to catch it. A can of beans flies over it. I caught it. Then he threw a glass container of syrup. <laughs> if I hadn't caught it, I would have been clean up in aisle five. That was a long setup for that joke. That wasn't a joke. That was a long setup for If I would have missed it, it would have been <clears throat> clean up. <laughs> no. Aisle five. No, that, that wasn't even the Then the, the CSI Miami theme starts. <laughs> <laughs> If I hadn't caught it, I would have been clean up in aisle five. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you by Homie. Finally, the way real estate should be. Full service, local agents, and you'll save thousands. Homie, a better way to sell. Question of the day. Are there really quarterback competitions at Utah and BYU, or do the coaches know who the starters are? Scott says, I think behind closed doors, they're almost nearly positive who's going to win it most of the time. But by not stating it outright, it pushes players to up their game and creates a healthy competition and development. Scott thinks they know. Well, almost nearly positive. That that's a definitive, sort of an oxymoron in a sense, but almost nearly positive. Uh, but that's a strong evaluation of that. Are, are are they to that level? Almost nearly positive. I mean, that doesn't leave a whole lot of room for wiggle room. Brian says, "I think the coaches have a pretty good idea going in, but occasionally someone surprises them with their performance in camp." I think Brian's onto something. See, I think too. It is also not just this, not just spring, or excuse me, not just training camp in August, but they've got reports on the summer, mm-hmm. and they also have the prior spring. In mm-hmm. most cases, I mean, the one time you know last year they didn't have it, but this most recent spring there was a spring practice. So, and everything is filmed. If you've ever been to a college practice, they're filmed from at least three, if not four. Up in the up in the sky, where they go up there and and film everything. So there's always a camera in the end zone behind the goalposts. Yeah. There is yeah. always a camera along the sideline where coaches would be sitting in a press box. Always. Yeah, yeah. And there's at least three, uh, if not four. Uh, and so they've got film on literally everything. Every single practice is filmed, and it's reviewed uh, ad nauseum. So they've got so much data. Now, it's not real game data, but it is data that they use to a large degree on how they make these decisions. A guy who's been on both ends of this debate, once as a player and then again later as a coach multiple times, Robbie Bosco joins us now, BYU's national championship quarterback. And now, Robbie, have you got a new title? No. Oh, really? (laughs) I mean, it's been the same title for like the last 17 years. Okay, so fine. Been, it's, yeah, it's all the same. They they made people call me different things all the time anyway, so that's probably <laughs> what it is. Okay. So you're now doing uh, development work. So you're not yeah. in the coaches' meetings. You're not in the grind. So now you can come clean. When there's a quarterback <laughs> battle, how much do yeah. coaches know? 
And how much is it is is it coach speak, like we're going to make these guys compete and make them get better? Or how much of it is, hey, we pretty much know, but I'm not going to gift this thing to you, even though I'm pretty sure how it's going to turn out. we got to see if you can really up your game, and, and occasionally kids do and throw you a curveball. Or if you just really fall apart, you start throwing picks all over the place. I don't want to start you. I'll start the other guy. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. I, I, I really believe that going into these situations, everybody has an idea, at least coaches, of what they want to do, what they would like to see happen. And But it's really good to keep that, competitive, that competitiveness flowing and kind of open it up. And, and see what can happen because you just never know what happens during the summer. Uh, who's working the, who's been working the hardest and who's, who's made a big jump of, of maybe something that they didn't see before. Um, but I, I really believe there's always kind of a game plan going in and coaches just like to wait almost to the last minute a lot of times before they make an announcement, but. Um, it'll be interesting. I think at BYU, I think they have three guys that are going to be very competitive. Uh, two of them have had some quality playing time, and uh, we'll just see what happens. So at Utah, they've got two guys, BYU's three. From a coaching perspective, what's the difference there and how you handle it? Well, I think when you have two, you're you're a little closer to making that decision on who you want that quarterback to be, and so um, I think it might be a little, it's a little, probably a little tougher with three guys. You know, they're all fairly close in age, and so you wanna you gotta figure out things on how to make everybody happy. Even with even with Utah, if they have two guys up there, you do not want someone to say, "Well, I'm." You know, I'm not going to play here. I want to leave. Because that's kind of what it's coming down to these days is everybody wants to play and nobody's really patient. And um, so that makes it a tough situation as well. But I think both teams are probably in pretty good situations with, with what they have and feel pretty good about it. A long time ago, when you were coaching, I heard a story about Ryan Hancock, and he came in third in a quarterback derby. And the other two guys were better. But the other two guys got hurt, and he had to go in at Hawaii. And I think the coaches, Lavelle and Norm, and possibly yourself, had pretty low expectations, and then he was great. And I heard a story about they got on the plane for the flight back, and the, and the players were going down the aisle, and, and the coaches were already seeding. And, and uh, <laughs> Norm, I think, looked over at Lavelle and said, Do you see that coming? And Lavelle, without even looking up, went, Nope. And then he went back to practice, and Ryan was bouncing balls at guys' ankles and throwing them five feet over their heads at practice the next week. And they were like, well, it was just a one-off for whatever reason. He had the game of his life. But then he went out there on Saturday, and he was money again. And he actually played really well until he got his, uh, he hurt his knee against the Utes. How often are there these guys who you can't judge in practice? They need the adrenaline of getting chased. And especially with these quarterbacks who are more mobile, and you don't want to get them hit in practice, you can't really see what they do until you put them in a game. Yeah, the, the one thing that's benefited that is the NCAA doesn't allow really two-a-days anymore. I mean, you don't practice as hard as you used to. You don't scrimmage as much as you used to. So that's kind of a benefit for hopefully hopefully keeping most everybody safe. 
But going back to the Ryan Hancock thing, it was funny. He would, even in games, he would throw five of the wildest balls. Then all of a sudden, he would throw this beautiful 70-yard, in the air, perfect pass. And we're like, okay, (laughs) we're going to give this guy a chance. But the same thing happened with Brandon Dolman. Brandon Dolman, he, he just, he wasn't a great practice player. And this is early on in his career, so it was difficult to really play him because you kind of think that it's going to transgress over to the game. And then you got him in a game and he was just a different guy. And he was, he was the guy. And we really messed, probably missed out on a solid year of being able to play that guy. And so, yeah, I mean, it, the, the, the trouble with practice, you're always trying to protect, protect, protect. And a lot of these guys, they want, they need to be tackled. They want the whistle to be blown because they're going to make plays out of nothing. And there's always a lot of frustration in practices because if you have referees, the whistle's blown early and that's what you want to happen. But, um, in games, a lot of times that defensive player can't make that play against the quarterback. So it's it's a it's a tough thing to juggle right there. So how does that work for Conover? Because you already spoke to how Hall and uh, Romney have decent experience, real experience in real games, not just mop-up duty, but actual games in which it counted and starting but both started games, but Conover comes in with a big rep at a high school down there in the Phoenix area from a Chandler, which is a football powerhouse, but many guys into the NFL plays at a very high level, but yet he doesn't have any college experience. How can you evaluate that? Well, they're very well aware of Jacob's talent and his skill, and so he's he's going to be right in the mix of it. And so, yeah, you can look at the thing is, nobody's really had a full season with those other guys. They've had some playing experience, which is great, but they don't have – they haven't played like a full year where, like, this guy is our guy. So he's going to be right in the mix of it, and he's going to be uh, – he's going to have a great chance to uh, to play and, and see what he can do. So I'm curious how often, and you can't really get this out of coaches. Uh, maybe, maybe you can, but you got to be really careful. It's got to be private and off to the side, and even then you may not get it. But you can tell the truth now. How often did you pick the guy who wasn't the better guy, but he had more upside, and you're like, we're going to take some lumps, and the coach or the coaches are willing to lose some games, which can always be dangerous for employment, but they think there's upside down the road, so they'll pay you know short-term pain, long-term game. How often will you pick the guy who lost because he's got more upside? Um, you know, that's kind of – it's just a tough – it's just a tough situation. I, I think – I mean, what you think someone has upside is kind of your opinion. And uh, – so that, that still kind of makes it a tough situation. So I think when it's when it's a true battle and you want to see, you know, what's going to happen, who's who's going to make the difference, who's going to move the chains, and and that's the biggest thing. Uh, the the one thing I really like about Romney is that he does those things. I mean, he I don't know. I really don't know if he has the strongest arm of everybody or the the best release or anything like that. But I do know 
that he gets rid of the ball and he makes things happen. He's not always throwing the ball downfield, but he's done a great job when he's gone in there. And so it's still a tough little situation to do. Sometimes it's getting guys into games and seeing what they can do in, in, in games that, that can make a difference. But you, you, you kind of go back and forth. I, I would say it's probably a 50-50 thing, the upside to the talent to you know what you feel. So interestingly, from Utah and BYU's perspective, the head coaches are coming from the defensive orientation, and their coordinators, Ludwig and A-Rod, have been doing this for a good long while. When it comes time to make a decision, who I mean, I realize the head coach is the bottom line, but how much is he taking the percentage of influence from those veteran coordinators since he's basically coming from the defensive perspective? Yeah, these coordinators, they, they've seen, they're with them every day. They're with, they're with them in practice, with them in films. And, and, and the head coaches have to give them a little leeway on, on, on the decisions they make. And um, I, would, I would say most of them, uh, if not all, will, will give that leeway to the, the coordinators, the quarterback coaches will if they're not the coordinator, the quarterback coaches will have some say. And, and that's what they talk about a lot in these meetings, in the offensive staff meetings. And even they'll, they'll sometimes get some feedback from the defensive side on who's the toughest to defend, who gives you a little bit more trouble. And so there's nothing wrong with getting that, those, uh, help from other people. But the bottom line is, like you said, I think the coordinators will make the big decisions, and then the head coaches obviously will be like, yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's go with it. Going back to your playing days and then your coaching days, and I heard stories about you telling guys, ha, ah, I went undefeated and got booed. Don't think you're special. Of course you're getting booed. <laughs> have, fans, have fans lightened up in the stadium a little bit? Have expectations dropped a little for BYU quarterbacks, is most of that happening on social media now, or is it still as crazy in the stadium on game day as it was when you played and when you coached? I think it's still crazy. I mean, social media obviously has taken a lot away from all that kind of stuff, but everybody uh, wants a voice, and they want to win, and they want to see great play. They still want to see the 500 yards a game passing, the four touchdown passes, and that just doesn't happen that much anymore. And so, but it makes it fun. We have passionate fans, and you know, we just gotta. We, they, they, the players just can't worry too much about that. They just gotta do their thing and uh, and do the best they can. I remember you once told me, Rob. You said that when you got to college, you didn't even think about playing for a couple of years. And you knew you were going to be, they even had some JV ball, I think, back in your day, and you were going to do that. And then after two years, you could think about competing for the job. And obviously, it's a whole lot different story, not just here at your level, at the collegiate level, but at the NFL level, which brings me to Zach Wilson, a guy you know very well and have seen play. So he's the second pick. Used to be those guys sat, but... Those high picks, they don't sit anymore. So with that in mind, what do you think he's facing with the Jets as it looks like presumably he's going to be the starter from day one? 
Yeah, well, first of all, um, Zach is Zach is going to be an exceptional NFL quarterback. I mean, he's really, really good. And you know, when you look at when you look at what he can do, it's not about like what he did during the season, although that's part of it. But they really vet these quarterbacks, especially if you're going to be top, taken in the top five. And the things that Zach can do are really special. Now, with that said, he's going to a team that hasn't been been very productive in the last 10, maybe 15 years. I don't know. And so it's um, he's not going into an easy situation. But I think from what I hear, they're <laughs> – at least they say they're going to be very patient and not really think too much about this year and hopefully look into the future, like in the, like the year after, which really isn't a lot. But it's going to be, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a, uh, a learning experience, and you just hope that they can give him enough protection to where he can do some things. But regardless of who you are, what you're doing, a rookie quarterback put into a situation to try to lead an NFL team to the playoffs, Super Bowl, what have you, it's very, very difficult. And uh, it's not going to be easy, but, you know, I, I think Zach is uh, Zach's a very studious guy and, and, and knows what he's doing, so I think he, he's going to be okay. All right, before we let you go, Robbie, because I've known you a long time and I like you, if you want to walk back that exceptional comment, I'm going to let you do it. But you know how no. the media is. You no. feed us exceptional. How are we not going to replay that a million times? Because that was an exceptional comment. That's why. <laughs> Don't walk it back. Up your game. Go, I'm going rookie of the year, Bosco. I'm up in it. That's where I'm at. Look at it. He could be. I mean, what, what's it? how many games did the Jets win last year? Two? two? Two, I think, yeah. <laughs> now they get to okay. play his 17th game, he gets an extra chance. So if okay. he gets him to say, three. Let's say he five or six games. I mean, that's pretty good. You'd want, you'd want to put your money in something to get that much of uh, that much of uh, payback, you know, from your uh, – from that. So, I mean, he, look at he – he's going to be – I think he's going to do very well. I have no regret – no uh, – no reason to think that he's going to – he's not going to be a flop, I don't think. I mean, the guy's a very talented quarterback, and I think he's going to do very well as an NFL quarterback. It's just the time. Look at Steve Young. Steve Young went to Tampa Bay. Similar situation. Tampa Bay wasn't very good, and Steve wasn't very good for a few years, whatever it was. He went to the 49ers, played behind Montana for, what, six, seven, eight years? came in and he was a great player so it just makes a difference when you're not rushed into to doing something so you but, want you want Steve to donate because that's your day gig now so you didn't even bring up the USFL time you just blew right through that Steve doesn't want you right to mention yeah he doesn't want you to Look mention it. the LA Express he's an NFL Hall of Famer come on <laughs> yeah really man what more do you want that's right well, he caught that throwback against Missouri in 83, and he didn't start in San Francisco until 92. So to your yeah. point, it was a process, a long one, but it paid it, off. It's a process. I mean, I don't care how talented you are, how good you are. It is a process in that, at that level. These guys are no joke. These guys are there. And um, 
I can't know. I can't remember. I don't know if won a Super Bowl. I'm not sure I know Tom Brady, but I can't remember if that happened or not. Robbie, you're, uh, bra- you're breaking up, Robbie. We're only catching a little bit of you here. In this- oh, sorry about that. I'm at the golf course right now. i got a tournament I'm playing. <laughs> you know, we actually, when we were deciding whether to book you, that was the one thing we worried. Like, oh, he might be golfing on a Friday morning in the summer. There's a pretty good chance. Well, that's why I did the 731, because we see off at eight. There you go. All right, well, we'll let you go, Robbie. We appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. All right, thanks, guys. All right. Robbie Bosco, former BYU quarterback. Exceptional, PK. Exceptional. Exceptional. I'm glad he's converted like myself. You, (laughs) man, you are a doubting DJ. I have doubted the Jets' ability to put a team around him since the second we found out it was going to be the Jets. I am oh, I am just looking forward to him for the next, what, 12 to 15 years. I think he's going to be really good. In all sincerity, I do. I think he's got it. I think he's got the moxie. He's an understated kid with a million-dollar smile and a baby face, and his mother does all the talking, but I think this kid is going to be really good. I could be wrong, but that's what I think. It's just that it's a team game, and you got to have the team around you, and I think Steve Young, if he were here, would say, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad I ended up in San Francisco. I had a lot of really good players around me. And you just you can't do your thing by yourself in football. You know, Joe Burrow, I think, is really talented. But he didn't line in front of him, and he got crushed. And he couldn't show what he can do. He's still talented. Judge, I still I, believe I he it. He did show what he can do. I'm not judging it on a rookie season. I'm judging it, as I said. Uh, over the arc of a career. T- 12 yeah. to 15 years. Well, it's going to be a long time before this book's written. We're, we're, uh, <laughs> we're going to laugh about it forever. The throw. But seriously, when you can do that, and I get it's overplayed, and we've seen it five million times, and it's fun Second to Second greatest about. play in BYU athletics history. Right behind Ainge. Ainge. Yeah, Ainge. <laughs> you going to call it a play even, though? But it's yes, still. I'm calling it a play. But it's still I've re- only seen it 5,000 times, so it's a play. It's remarkable that he could do that. I mean, there, it takes a lot of talent to do that, and I don't care that he practiced and there wasn't defense. That's still hard to do. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Uh, more quarterback talk this morning. Dustin Smith, quarterback elite co-founder and coach now at Spanish Fork High School. He's going to join us coming up at 8.30, and we'll talk quarterback battles with him. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Top 1660 is back in the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another member of the Top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the Top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness right here on the Zone Sports Network. Ah, PK, there's some things I love about social media and some things I don't get. 
So one thing I don't get is you put up a question of the day on Facebook, and and sometimes you put up multiple ones. There's different things going on. You see what people really want to weigh in on and what really gets them going emotionally. And so I will put those to get more reaction during the show. I'll put those up on uh, Twitter, and on Twitter, people will just click that they like it. I mean, it's a question. Don't you just love all the moves the Jazz have made? Well, maybe you love them. And, and people do weigh in. You know, the people saying, yes, I love them. And a lot of people, we've had several yesterday, are like, I hated the favors move, but I've loved everything since then. You know, and so that's kind of where I expected to go. But some people just click on like. They really like the question. And uh, don't you love all those Jazz moves? That's like, it's buried on Twitter, right? There's so much stuff coming out. But people are going through their timeline and finding it and still liking it today, even though it was yesterday's question. Well, that's the thing about Twitter uh, that, as opposed to, say, like the text line, Mm -hmm. is that, and Jake Scott pointed this out to me a couple of years back, uh, and it was astutely, I might add, that, uh, like, a text line is immediate. You have to be listening right Mm -hmm. then and there, whereas Twitter and other forms of social media, you can get to it when you get to it. So that explains why people would get to it maybe later. Uh, they're not on Twitter as much as you or as much as whomever might be. Some yeah. people are on it constantly. Others just casually look at it from time to time, I guess. And and I do think that that was a slanted question, which I like to do. I like to draw you do. emotion. <laughs> you do. So rather than, you know, what do you think of, that doesn't really. Don't you um, just love? You're almost yeah. demanding them to love it. Well, yeah, that you're going to have a reaction to that question. And then, let's face it. I mean, we're in the business of reaction. We want to get people's emotions. Sports radio, that's to a large degree. So I, that's a slanted, loaded question. But it's done on purpose. With But you you, you just can't go out there and put a question that doesn't have any semblance of truth. That's going to be exposed as a fraud. And I'm coming clean, so I'm trying to draw emotion out of people, so it's not like I'm hiding anything. But the Jazz have made a number of moves, and a lot of people like the moves. So there is semblance of truth, rather than what do you think about the Jazz moves. That's too neutral. I'm not a neutral guy. You're either going to be over here, or you're going to be over there. And... My job is you're going to either hate me or you're going to like me. And I don't care which one. It doesn't matter. And so I slant that question. So I can see where you can just, by liking this question, that is in essence saying, yes, I do like the. So it's not not just a, a neutral response because the question isn't a neutral question. So if you're liking it, I don't like Twitter. I mean, I don't like stuff on Twitter, so I don't even really know what that's about. I don't do that stuff myself. But for people who do, I get the point. They are saying, yes, I do like, or in this case, love the moves that they made. Some people won't, or some people take it, wait wait a second here, let's see. You know, what a a whole gamut of emotions. But I can get why they would like it in this circumstance. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. So Kyle Whittingham said something Wednesday after the first practice, and I think it will probably get, well, <laughs> I think it will probably get followed up on, because I'm going to be up there today, I'm going to follow up on it, I'm going to ask him. It really caught your ear, PK, and we have to get to that next, but, man, coaches don't want to raise expectations. Why would he say something like this? Because he believes it? Because if he does, then that really raises the expectations. Yes. We'll get to that next. DJ and PK, stay with us. We have no shortage of leadership on this team. This feels a lot like the 19 team in a lot of regards. 
DJ PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Did my ears deceive me, PK? Did I just hear Kyle Whittingham, Mr. Tough Guy, Mr. One Game at a Time, Mr. The Future is Now. Don't rest on your laurels. We have no shortage of leadership on this team. This feels a lot like the 19 team in a lot of regards. Ooh, and he said it with energy. Conviction. Conviction. There's an emphasis on a lot. And that 2019 team, for those of you with short-term memories, that was 11 wins. Yeah, that was a great team. Uh, the the Pac-12 title game stunk. I don't give a crap about the bowl game. Uh, the Oregon game in uh, Santa Clara was a big downer, that's for sure. But other than that, man, they rocked. Even that SC loss was very competitive. First game of the year, first conference game of the year. And the thing that I like about Kyle Whittingham now is that he's going to retire as the University of Utah head coach. I think we can all agree with that. He's going to retire as the winningest coach in program history, right? The, those things seem to be certainties. And so what I'm, the reason why I'm bringing that up is that he doesn't have to worry about job security. So he can set whatever expectation level he believes is appropriate because he's going to be there, right? Mark Harlan uh, is not going to touch him. I mean, he's actually extended him, and I've talked to Mark about this. I mean, he loves Whittingham, loves his his everyday workmanlike approach to the job, the consistency, all the great the things that make Kyle Whittingham great. So I believe that he has the freedom to say what he wants now and not have to worry about expectations. If they don't meet the expectations, well, then Kyle will be the first to say we didn't meet expectations because he doesn't have to worry about saving his job. A lot of times they have to – be political because their job is in potentially in a tenuous situation, right? So they have to be careful what they say. That's not where Kyle's at. He's has as much job security virtually as anybody in the country, including Nick Saban, when you think about it, where he's at right now and what he's done. So he can come out and speak the truth as he sees it. And when I listen to that, I'm thinking, okay, he's going to compare the 19 leadership, which had a ton of it. You know, we were there day to day. We all know about it. And so he's going to compare leadership to the leadership of this year's team. But he does do that, but he takes it a step beyond that. What did he say? In a lot of aspects, a lot of ways you can play it again. That last part, that's the really that's the thing that really got me going is that he just doesn't compare leadership to leadership. No. And he says in a lot of aspects, play it again, Yak. What's that last last phrase that he uses? We have no shortage of leadership on this team. This feels a lot like the nineteen team in a lot of regards. Okay, regards, yeah. In a lot of regards. That's the one that really catches my attention because he's not just talking leadership. He's saying in a lot of regards. Well, look at that team in 2019. That had in a lot of regards. What did that have? That had a lot of NFL talent. And, of course, most often if you have a lot of NFL talent, what you also have is a lot of wins that particular season. We saw it BYU last year. I know the schedule, blah, blah, blah. We're, I'm so sick of putting that qualifier in. The fact is that team had a lot of NFL talent. And if that's what Kyle's thinking, then, yeah, they need to think Pac-12 title, not just Pac-12 South, Pac-12 title, and can they go beyond that? Right now, I think that's when in the realm, in the realm, that's not even a word, in the realm of thinking. 
You just really enunciated every letter in realm. Realm. Yeah, I did. Realm. I, I got going. Sometimes when you get going, <laughs> man, you can't be stopped. In 2019, they had a lot of no-nonsense guys, and the message was clear. We're better than these guys. Hammer them. Don't let them even hang around. And they did. They bled a lot of teams. But the message was also clear when they were in tight times. Hey, we're good enough. Let's go back and do this. And they got on the road in two close games. And one time they didn't. SC, they didn't come back and win it, although they came back and got back in the game. Uh, They were in danger of getting blown out for a while. And then at Washington, they did come back and win the game. And for the most part, they were better than the teams they played, and they they hammered and and didn't let them hang around and and have a chance to make a lucky play or get a bad call or a bounce or whatever. The thing I will say, though, this is beyond their control, is the schedule that they would play this year is much more difficult, even though it's basically the same schedule. What I'm saying is I believe the teams are much better. You look at teams like you brought that you brought up that Washington game. Mm-hmm. I was there at that game. It was a huge win for the program. Somebody on the staff, and I love the go travel with those guys because as you're walking off the field, I can't tell you how many times, in winning or losing, guys on the staff who recognize me, they know me, they know me, and for a long time, they know that whatever they tell me. It goes nowhere. I may, I'll bring it up, but I won't come close to mentioning their name. And if it's too sensitive, I won't even say it. But one of the guys said to me, this is a win that this program desperately needed. And in the past, this is a game we would have lost. And he was right. That was a huge win. They needed to go on the road and beat a quality team. It's just that Washington this year is much better at least right now, anticipated, I should say, to be much better. SC's SC, but I think that the Sal, I look at Washington as, a, as an example since you brought up that game. Mm-hmm. The teams in the South, I think, with the exception, obviously, of Arizona, are much better, significantly, potentially better than they were two years ago. So that could make the challenge more difficult of repeating what that 8-1 and one team did in 2019. So this year they missed Cal and Washington. Right. So breaks there because a lot of people think... Uh, Decent teams. Yeah. The, one team is probably middle and the other team is top of that division. They're, they're not missing a bottom I picked theater. Washington personally to win. Right. And I think most people have Oregon and Washington 1-2. Yeah. And then they have Stanford and Cal 3-4. And so depending on who you're talking to... Uh, ASU, did they have a quarterback injury when they came no, in? No, it was, it was just, just Jaden Daniels was, running, was a freshman. Freshman, because it was twenty-one. And they to three. had no offense. Yeah, the he, he, I think he literally had three completions. <clears throat> oh, really? <laughs> I got to go back and look that up now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was he was the proverbial running for his life. The whole it reminded me of him as a freshman facing the toughest defense that he has faced to date. And it reminded me of them telling Travis Hansen, or not Travis Hansen, Travis Wilson, don't have interceptions. And that became the goal of Travis Wilson, don't have interceptions, because he had six when he played UC Los Angeles, mm-hmm. if I remember, a year In a totally earlier. winnable game. Yeah, and so don't throw interceptions. And so Jaden Daniels at that point, he was throwing it in the third row like 95% of the time. They were wildly overmatched. Uh, Utah's defense, absolute complete and total domination so Arizona State's offense is much better 
mm. than it was two years ago because they were starting so many young guys. So naturally, even if they're not that good, they're still going to be much better because they almost did nothing in that game. I think Benjamin managed to get 100 yards. He did. But it was probably the most 100 difficult yards he'd ever had to run for. I looked it up now. Benjamin was great. He was 15 carries for 104 yards. But Daniels, 4 of 18 for 25 yards. So to your point, in 2021, now Daniels has got, well, he's not a junior because the clock didn't run last year, but he's he's got a lot of football. He's got a lot of college football experience now that he didn't have for that game. So that ought to be a different deal. Same thing with UCLA. uh, UCLA should be in a better place. They are. They got smoked. Yeah, by the youth that year, forty nine to three. So, oh, I was in the Rose Bowl. That was oh, was that that was at home that year. I think it was at home. Uh, but yeah, they they were in no position to compete. And now they're in a position. I don't know that they'll win, but they're in a position to compete. It was they, Cal, same thing. It was Cal who had the quarterback injury, and Utah shut him out. So they just, but to the point here, they're just overwhelming these teams. And now ASU ought to be better, and UCLA ought to be better. Cal and yeah. Washington, they they don't. They don't play, so we'll see how that works out. Uh, maybe they'll see one. They didn't play Oregon that year in 2019, but then they got them in the conference title game. So right, right. They still end so up playing. I, in my mind, the schedule, especially just based on the South, there's no question that it's going to be more difficult. Now, that may not matter. The Utes may continue to, to beat those teams. I don't know that they'll beat them like a drum in the way that they did last year or two years ago, but I think that they're going to be better, so it's going to be more difficult. They can still win. Utah can still win these games for sure. I'm not saying – that by any stretch but when Kyle's talking about the similarities between 2019 and this year wow I mean because that's the best team that they've had since they've been in the conference I mean it's indisputable right you, you, you cannot argue yep, 11 that. wins and you had Moss and Huntley at the height of their games and the defense was absolutely loaded with NFL guys all over the place what was it like nine guys in the yeah NFL? that was awesome yeah. <laughs> they were just loaded and so that's where I think if we were coming off a normal 2020, Kyle wouldn't catch us off guard with that. We would have seen more football, and we'd have a better idea, but they played five games. But he sees the film, and he sees the spring practices, and of course we don't, and we're not up there to talk to people after spring practices, so we really haven't had any hint. This is the first time that you can actually stand next to Kyle and talk to him, and what does he do? He blurs this out. And I just think if, 20, if we'd seen more football in 2020 or if we had more ch- chances to talk to him, he would have said it earlier. Because you're right, he has a freedom a lot of coaches don't have. He can just say what's on his mind. And he's of the no-excuses, you know, tough guy mold, and we've seen that out of him a thousand, to- a thousand times. So I think there's a part of him, if he, says it, if, he, if he sees it, he likes to say it because he likes to set the bar. And he likes to challenge guys. Like, I'm not going to set the bar here and know you can clear it, because I know you can clear it. I'm going to set the bar here. Let's make you clear it. Let's stretch. Right. And it doesn't, it doesn't phase him at all. Given the fact that he has the coaching security, right. yeah. he can say that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to worry about his job. He's not coaching to keep his job. He's coaching for legacy right now, and he's coaching two things. He's, he's not really coaching for legacy. The legacy is going to come mm-hmm. uh, as he continues to – win but he's coaching in the moment because eh, I don't want to get into it too much as far as how long he's got because I want him to announce it on his terms Uh, but 
He's coaching in the moment. That is something that I am 100% of confidence to say. And you brought up with Bosco, you know, do you go do you go with somebody to have a little short-term gain for mm-hmm. long-term or short-term brain for long-term gain? Kyle won't do that. He's he's about winning this year. He's about winning the South, winning the conference, get to the Rose Bowl. If it should be on that, then some committee deems you worthy. That's their call. But those are his specific goals and the realistic goals. They're realistic goals to the point where when I heard that statement, let's just say I made a reservation in the Los Angeles area at a hotel that's sort of up uh, a little uh, northeast of downtown, up by the mountains, and I'm not going to name the city. For January 1, I might add. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah that's, I made a Way to stay really subtle with that and not let anyone know what you're thinking. Get in the, well get in the uh, lock in the rates now before they go up, because I'm always thinking of saving the company money. You know me. Company man through and through. And so when he said that, I said, I better do this. I better start looking at some plane reservations because, oh, my gosh, that would be the greatest thing ever to play in the Rose Bowl. My friends who haven't experienced it, and I have. I'm the only one on the staff who's experienced it, and it is beautiful. It's the most beautiful thing ever. (laughs) It is your team, January one. In that stadium. Now, there's a huge difference to go in that stadium in September, October, November. That doesn't count. That's still fun to do. Without question, it's still fun to do. But it lacks a little extra oomph. No, I've done both. The January one has. Yes. And I've been there other times uh, on assignment when it's not my team, when I work down in the L.A. area. But to be there as a fan on January 1 when your team runs out there, there is... My friends, and I call you my friends because you are, it gives me chills on a warm summer morning. Coming up, got a little uh, NBA news, and got a player who wants out. We'll tell you who and where he wants out of. And Dustin Smith, quarterback elite co-founder and coach at Spanish Fork High School, joins us to talk quarterback competitions, and we will do that next. You Uton Cougars, we'll be talking about your teams next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The update from the Tokyo Games brought to you by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce, get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call them at 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. All right, we got college football, high school football, quarterback battles, all of that coming up in just a moment. But first, NBA free agency news. Lori Markinen, Bulls restricted free agent, tells a Finnish journalist he wants out of Chicago. Quote, we have offers from several different teams. I want a fresh start to my NBA career somewhere else. Well, that's fairly definitive, but life is a negotiation, so we'll see. I'm most curious, PK, to see if he moves to one of the uh, half dozen teams we'll really look at in the West. And maybe he could elevate somebody, help elevate somebody in the West who's a little lower. But I don't think he'll end up in any of the power brokers in the West that would directly affect the Jazz. You think there's a chance he could? Yes, but I don't know that. Uh, I think that anything's a possibility, particularly if you get involved in sign and trade here. I don't know if the Bulls let him walk for nothing. I've always liked the guy. He's a Pac-12 guy. The Utes thought they had him. 
but he ended up going to uh, Arizona. And eyebrows and, were raised. And you can draw conclusions yeah. on that. <laughs> eyebrows <laughs> were raised. These guys got to get paid. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. But I've always liked the kid as a player, and uh, he, he sort of drifted into obscurity with the Bulls. The Bulls have sucked, obviously. But for me, take it for what it's worth. I'm not an NBA talent evaluator, but I thought that the kid was a player and could help somebody. Yeah, I don't think he's gotten anywhere near the potential that he has. And so I get where he's coming from. When I hear those words that you said, I understand him 100% because I thought his skill level hasn't come close to being utilized to the level that it can be. His, uh, he started 26 games this year. That's a career low. He played 26 minutes a game this year. That's a career low. He's getting more time and more playing time with Boylan. And, you know, they're changing the roster up in Chicago. They got guys coming and going. They got a new coach. He doesn't seem to be as valued. His rebound numbers have drifted, and that would be a little, <laughs> that would be a red flag looking at that. But he's got size, and he shoots the three. He shot a career best 40% from three. Right. And, and he's shooting almost six three pointers a game. So it's, it's not like, you know, it's one here and it's one there, and it's like six a game. He's in the mix, and he'll launch in my, it. In my mind, he's a player. So where does he end up? We'll have to wait and see, but keep your eye on that one. But that and it caught my eye when I saw that. He was pretty definitive about wanting out, and uh, I checked the numbers because we don't follow the East as close, and, uh, man, to see that, to see his playing time dropping at the age of 23. Uh, it didn't make sense. Well, I mean, the only thing it doesn't, the only thing that makes sense is, you know, they got new leadership, and there is something that they don't like about Laurie Markkinen, you know? Is he, is he not tough enough? Is he not, uh, you know, responding to what they want? Whatever it is, somehow it seems like he's getting a little sideways. And, and clearly he's not happy. That quote was pretty definitive. So, Yeah, I wouldn't think they'd match in, with the intent to keep. I get your point. Joe. Free agency slowing it down. There's always, uh, you know, a lot of the deals get done, and then as soon as they can say something, they say something. And so you have that barrage the first 24 to 48 hours. But there's still a few to watch, and he's one of them. Right now, it's time to talk football with Dustin Smith, QB Elite co founder and coach. He's now Spanish Fork High School's head coach and he joins us on the smart rain guest line it's no secret that utah is in an extreme drought that's why smart rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation find out more at smartrain.net dustin good morning hey good morning guys dustin you had a perfectly good gig going and then you went and messed up and became a high school football coach and you got to deal with parents who are sure their kid is the next tom brady and Kyle Van Oy, and they want more playing time. Dustin, what were you thinking? Don't you have friends who can talk you out of these rash moves? <laughs> I had several friends that, that, and I don't have many, so that, when I say several, that's about all of them that said, uh, what are you doing? You're crazy. But it's uh, especially last year. Last year was my first year doing it as a head coach, and I walked into such a unique circumstance with all the the high school football restrictions and COVID and everything. But, man, I'll tell you, as hard as it was, there were a lot of headaches, a lot of things you don't you, you miss uh, that gets taken from you. But the boys are – we have such good young men in our state, and being able to work with them, it's, it's it was a lot of fun. 
So, Dustin, are we going to have a big matchup with you down at Spanish Fork versus uh, American Leadership down there in Queen Creek, Arizona? Because your guy, I think that's where Ty Detmer's coaching, right? Yeah, Ty's down in Ty's, Ty and Max Hall and Dennis Pitta. They got they got quite the coaching staff down there. They're all down there in Queen Creek, and we uh, we actually took a we did bring some boys down there this winter, and, and probably thirty other Utah boys went down there and did a little clinic with uh, with his guys and spent some time together with Max and Ty in the film room and and doing some things. I don't know that we'll ever play each other. They'd have to come up here to play. We're not it's too hot down in Arizona. They they'd have to come here. Need to do to one up them, get Brandon Doman and Chad Lewis on your staff. <laughs> there we go. Good idea. Yeah, I'll pull that. I, I know Brandon and Chad are smart enough not to hop into high school football. <laughs> so we are curious with uh, quarterback battles going, and I assume your eye never goes far away from a good quarterback battle. With quarterback battles going at Utah and BYU, do you think either coaching staff is uh, just saying there's a quarterback battle and you know what's going on, or do you think – these are real quarterback battles. There isn't much separating, and how these guys perform in practice is going to have a lot to say on who starts the opener. I think they know who's going to start the opener right now. I do think that they're, they may not be 100% committed to that guy being the guy all year no matter what, where maybe in past years you you kind of knew that you were going to, you know, ride somebody a little bit longer, even if they struggled a little bit. Um, I think because of the depth uh, at BYU and some guys who've had some experience, um, you know, that I think they know who the guy is going to be, but they may have a little shorter uh, leash with that. At, at, at Utah, I think there's a legit battle there. I, I'm not as confident that they're certain on who their guy is, and they're wanting to get a little bit more. Uh, time with them this camp to make that decision. So Jaron Hall's a local kid. The other two kids from uh, BYU and their competition are from out of state. What do you know about these guys? Uh, from Just from what I've heard, I know Ty um, knew a little bit about him, and, and I have talked to you know some coaches on staff. I haven't seen the only one outside of Jaron that's there now that I've seen personally or worked with personally is, is Nick. Billups, who just transferred from Utah uh, to BYU. The other guys I haven't personally spent time with other than Jaron. So, but what I've heard of them, both from others who have worked with them or been around them or recruited them, and some of the guys that are much closer to the program, um, is that they, they really like all of them. And they, they have some unique uh, abilities. That's, kind of, I think, why it's kind of a, an interesting battle is that they 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 all have some strong suits that uh, maybe the other guys don't quite have, and so I, I think BYU is trying to pick well which is the guy that I guess a best fits their offense, and then b has the most um, you know that, that that has the the best abilities in in the three or four different areas that you have to have to be a successful quarterback, and that's why I feel like uh, of the group, Jaron probably possesses the most of all of the areas as far as decision-making and, and athleticism and experience and leadership and and arm strength and those sort of things, accuracy. So I'm, I'm guessing that Jaron will be the guy to start, but these other guys are right on his heel, which, you know, I think is – I really personally feel like it's a good thing if you've got mature quarterbacks that 
that don't turn on each other, if they let it be something that motivates and pushes each other to be better every day, um, I think it's a good thing. Dustin Smith joining us, QB Elite co-founder, now the head coach at Spanish Fork High School. I'm just curious in these quarterback battles, so many coaches want the mobile quarterback and the guy who can you know, slip out of a tackle and, and make a play, throwing the ball downfield, or just taking off and running for a big gain. And yet you can't really see that in practice because the whistle blows and the play stops. So I know they want to evaluate these guys, and it's tricky evaluating pocket passers, but when you throw in the mobile quarterback, it seems like they know who they're going to go with and they're going to go with that person because they can't possibly be evaluating some of that stuff in practice. Yeah, that's hard to – you're right. That's hard to see how a kid, you know, uh, slips out of a tackle or something because you're right, they're, it's a quick whistle and they're not letting him slip out of tackles. The whistle's being blown before he gets hit. But I think you can tell in other ways. There's other ways to see if, if the quarterback's mobile and if he can move and and ways to know that, all right, we got a guy that can slip out of stuff, can step up and exit and – but none of these guys, I, I don't think any, well, I shouldn't say anywhere in the country. I'm sure there are some countries that want their quarterbacks uh, taken off and, and are okay with that. I don't think at BYU they really want their quarterbacks getting too loose back there. I, I think they want them to be able to move around and roll out and, and do some things. But, you know, and, and specifically in the case of Jaron, you know, he, he's got to be extra careful because of the injury bug and the concussions and the different things that my guess is they, they like the fact that he can do some things and that they can move the pocket with him and, and use his athleticism to kind of stretch the field east and west a little bit back there. But I don't think they're super uh, encouraging on the idea of him taking off and taking on linebackers because last time he did that at you know a guy at Utah State, uh, knocked him out at, down at the goal line. So, you know, that's an important thing for Jaron in particular is learning how to, how to get hit and how not to get hit hard and, and, or not get hit. And that's obviously easier said than done, but there's ways that he can position himself when he's going in or stepping out or sliding or whatever to try to avoid that big hit and get his head out of the way because, you know, that, that could be the, that's the biggest, red flag as it relates to him and question mark it relates to him is he plays so hard and he is so athletic and he's so competitive that that's going to be I think a hard thing for him to do to pump the brakes a little bit there and to a degree you probably don't want him to because that's what you love about him is that playmaking ability but it's super important that he does not take those those big hits this year and end up with another concussion. Yeah, and we know he's got the athletic ability playing college baseball himself and all that stuff and being able to do a lot of different things. Uh, what I'm not sure, and you'd have a better idea of it, evaluate him as an accurate passer. He's gotten, you know, he, he, he's gotten more accurate, but he's always been accurate. And he, you know, I, in the case of Jaron, even when he went on his mission, I get asked about him, and there was a, a lot of people immediately just assumed he was going to come back and they were going to turn him into a running back that, or a you know a slot receiver or something that he was an athlete that you know threw the ball in high school and so they made him a quarterback and and I never looked at Jaron that way I really looked at him as a thrower who could run but his his 
his arm strength has always been uh, elite, and he can make the throws. He's gotten more accurate, and he spent a lot of time, a lot of time that people don't know about working on his accuracy and not have not playing baseball these last two years, being able to focus, because really that development doesn't happen at camp. It doesn't happen in the summer. You're, you kind of are what you are at this point. Now you're, it's can you do it in the scheme of the offense and can you do it against um, disguised coverages and, and these sort of things. It's The development happens in the winter and spring as it relates to body movement and balance and mechanics and all that sort of thing. And that was hard to do when you're in a batting cage all winter. You know, you're out <laughs> taking fungo all spring. So for so for Jaron to be able to, for the first time in his life, focus on football in the winter and the spring, not only physically but mentally to have his head in that I'm a football player and, uh, and, and really dive into that, he's had an improvement just in the last year. Even in, in, even in his body, if you see him, he's, He's trimmed up. He's he's more fluid and elastic in how he moves. He's just he's trained differently, so he, he wasn't as stiff and bulky and 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 strong. Um, you know, Taysom Hill had to do that when Taysom came out. He was so strong his upper body that there were some things in his mechanics when he threw a football that were you know that, that were were um, um, he got in trouble with because he was just so he was still stiff. And he had to loosen up and, and, and do some things to fix it. But Jaron's done a great job. The people around him have done a great job. And, and uh, so I, I think he's in a, a really good position, both mentally and physically, and he's, he's plenty accurate. I'm not worried about the accuracy. Dustin Smith joining us, QB League co-founder and coach, Spanish Fork High School football coach as well. So at the U, they had a transfer from the SEC. Everybody was fired up. It didn't work out. Now they got a transfer from the Big 12. Should everyone be fired up? Or Big 12 defenses are really subpar, so uh, slow your roll. No, I think I think they've got a good quarterback, and I and I think that you know the, the Big 12 still has plenty of, of of great great football and defenses and things out there. I you know I, I personally wish that the University of Utah would look more locally for quarterbacks. I think that there are plenty of good quarterbacks that have gotten away from here um, that I think could have helped Utah. I think there's some right now playing at even some other colleges in state that are as good as, as guys they have up there at Utah. Um, you know, that's, I'm, I'm sure that there's plenty of people that would disagree with that, but I, I'm pretty, feel pretty strongly about the kids we've had in Utah, and, and, and when I say locally, I even include, you know, Arizona and Idaho in that. Just right here close to us, there have been some very, very good quarterbacks. I, I don't understand why they, we've got to find these guys, you know, clear across the country when there's plenty of really good ones here that don't get looked at and haven't been offered. I, I, I would like to see a little bit more push to keep some of those guys here because – they're going and playing other places, and they're good. But, but no, Utah's got they've got some good quarterbacks, and and I think they've got a a, a good group back on you know at, at their position, um, their position guys, their skill guys, and obviously with the defenses that they they're able to put out every year, um, you know it's a good place to play if you're a quarterback because you're usually going to have a really good running back, and you're going to have a defense that gets you gets off the field and gets you the ball back. So I think that. Uh, I think they're fine there, but 
I do think they don't know there's a battle going on. I'm not certain they're sure on who their guy is right now. Also, too, for BYU, from the receiver perspective, a couple of local kids that you would have knowledge of joined the program, and those are the Nakua brothers, particularly Puka, who had all sorts of credentials. Uh, how do you think they're going to be able to help the Cougars this year? Uh, I think that's huge for BYU. I really do, I, especially with the schedule they have this year. They, they're going to play some some corners. Uh, there's some secondaries they're going to see this year that have some really, really good players and some teams that are going to be able to do some man-to-man on BYU and, and maybe even, you know, put another guy up in the box and try to, uh, you know, address BYU's run game with another guy. They, then they've got to have some athletes outside that can beat guys. If not, you know, that's where a de- an offense is really going to find themselves in trouble is if a team can overwhelm them with athleticism out on the outside on the receiver's and then load the box. And, and I think there's been years when BYU has played the types of teams that it seems like they're playing every week this year where they can do that. And, and you know, that, that's the quickest way to make a quarterback look mediocre is to take away a run game and put him in third and ten all game long and, and make him throw into the teeth of a defense that now knows, you know, that you're throwing the ball. And, and then you get a quarterback struggling and, and – so BYU's ability to have a couple playmakers, a couple guys that can beat one-on-one corners and that you have to have a, a, some safety help. And I think those two are going to be as a, a, super important to the quarterback success, but I think they're also going to be as important to the success of the run game for BYU because teams are, are, are going to have to decide, do they want to keep guys near the box and, and let BYU run the ball, or do they want to uh, – you know, go out and help against these receivers who both of those guys, if, if you're not careful, if you put the wrong guy on them, you know, they'll take it to the house. They're that good. All right, one last question. I need you to handicap high school football. You can beg off if you want, but you don't seem the kind of guy who begs off, Dustin. Is anybody going to beat PK's Corner Canyon Chargers? Are we looking at a fourth undefeated season for the Chargers? I don't. There's some really good teams in 6A. There's really there's four and four or five, and then everybody else is just, I think, kind of their their warm up game for those five teams. Um, I think that Sky Ridge and American Fork, Bingham, uh, Lone Peak maybe have a chance. That every I think everybody else is sort of in a tough spot. They just have so many athletes at those schools. But I, I, Corner Canyon, they're so well coached. They have so many guys. They're so strong. I, I don't think so, but there are some pretty good teams. Those other teams I mentioned are pretty loaded as well. And I think could at least, you know, they'll, they'll push them. But Sky Ridge, I think, almost got them last year uh, in the regular season. And, um, but it, it, I'd be surprised if Corner Canyon didn't win it again. Dustin, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Good luck with your team at Spanish Fork, and we'll talk to you again later on. All right. Thanks, guys. Dustin Smith, quarterback elite co-founder and head coach now at Spanish Fork High School. Your Chargers, PK, ready to roll again. Canada just beat Sweden in women's soccer. Yeah, it was awesome. Penalty shootout. Penalties. There were a lot of missed penalties. (laughs) Three to two. Uh, well, yeah, my gosh, if they win, you said they've won three in a row? 
They've won three in a row, 40, lost a game, 40 right? straight games. And the year before, they were 11-0 and lost in the semis by one point. So they are 51-1 and over the last four years. Wow, that's amazing because that guy down there, he can't coach. I don't know how he's doing it. <laughs> he's a bum. <laughs> It's giving it Mrs. K, isn't it? Those deep, that defensive coordinator, he doesn't know his you-know-what from his you-know-what. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know how in the world they're doing it. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Stay with us. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30, presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON on your home of the the best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Top 60 and 60 is back in the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another member of the Top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's Top 60 and 60 presented by Cybers Credit and Icon Health and Fitness here on the Zone Sports Network. What are you giggling about? Me? I hear you giggling. No, I'm not giggling. I'm just enjoying life, man. It's beautiful. <laughs> okay. So, PK, there's a uh, a thing I saw out. One of our uh, one of our listeners and a guy who tweets a lot tweeted out the link to this story I hadn't seen, but uh, it was a good story, and I'm glad he sent out the link. Athlon Sports. Got anonymous quotes from Pac-12 uh, coaches. You, you could talk about Oregon. You could talk about Utah. You could talk about SC. But there's one other team out there. And who is that, PK? <laughs> the University of Arizona State. <laughs> A lot of coaches think this is the real team to beat in our league, not Oregon or USC. They're the next top program in the league unless something drastic happens. Anonymous coaches with anonymous quotes. But all of this, all of this, uh, there's an asterisk. Arizona State scouting was compiled before the NCAA investigation was opened into the program this summer. And they start suspending coaches and. Well, they have a tight ends coach. Tight end's coach is gone now, and, and that's probably, you know, not that big a deal. But if you start suspending more coaches, if you start getting into coordinators or the head coach, then obviously it does become a big deal. The defense is real. They're dangerous. Well, they return everybody, uh, so you know they should be better. I don't. I don't think the coaching thing is going to be that big of a deal because uh, that was a self suspension. So they're not going to self suspend a bunch of coaches. (laughs) No, the 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 tight end coach is a twenty six year old. Uh, Yeah, that guy really did it. Well, what they got going there is that. The way it worked is Herm figured out that the only way we're going to do this is to recruit. We can be the greatest X's and O's dudes in the world, but if we don't have the horses, it doesn't matter. So what he did is he hired three guys in their 20s to go recruit. Wait, that's what Kyle did when he started. (laughs) And 
they got loose with the rules. And then they had a guy who thought he was going to get a promotion. He didn't get it, so he turned him in. And now we'll see what the NCAA does with all this stuff. So, uh, But for the short term, they are set up to have a good season, whether they do or not. I mean, one year Herb Street picked them to go to the playoff, and they went 6-7. and seven. Yep. So <laughs> what does that mean? None of these guys have any tradition of winning at this level. Uh, not literally none of them. I mean, it, you know, you can't really count last year. But before then, they're basically a 500 team. Uh, so, yeah, it, the, the talent is there, potentially anyway, but what does that mean? So I'm not, I'm not so worried about the short-term, uh, the long-term ramification, you know, depending on what the NCAA does, could be uh, devastating. Probably it won't be because I don't think that they really have devastating things anymore in that way. You know, they slap them around a little bit. and Take a couple scholarships. Yeah, yeah. And it seems to be what the precedent is. I'm not discounting their cheating. I believe they did it 100%. Uh, but because they figured out the way to win is through recruiting. And so they've been trying to get these guys. Interestingly, the guys that they brought in uh, that they are pinpointing on during the uh, pandemic when you weren't supposed to have guys on, I don't think they got any of them. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not like it reaped a bonanza. But if you're going to shoot from the stars, the system is almost designed for you to figure out ways to cheat, you know, because you're just not able to reel in the, the cave on tip of those of the world. You know, how does Oregon get him? I mean, they got unlimited amounts of money to be able to find ways. And so if you want to compete with that, uh, to me, the system is designed, in a sense, to go ahead and cheat. It may sound like, you know, I'm defending them, whatever. I'm not that much invested in it. It's all sports is entertainment to me. I think I've said that a million times over. So I don't really get caught up in winning and losing. I enjoy the the competition of it. Uh, so I don't know how hard they're going to get zapped but for the short term they've got a shot uh, well it's really all you can look for as do as does utah and sc i mean both those teams hey they've got shots too all right what the pac-12 coaches are saying anonymously about utah and usc we'll get to that next stay with us dj and pk it's 97.5 at 1280 the zone athlon sports you can read them online athlonsports.com getting anonymous quotes from pac-12 coaches on Pac-12 football teams. Colorado, give them credit for what they did in year one. I'm not sure if it's sustainable, but it worked for them under some tough circumstances. They got wins against the not-great teams, but they were supposed to be that kind of game for everyone else. It wasn't year one, it was year point six. The schedule's a lot harder on them in conference. They also are playing Texas A&M and Minnesota. Expect some of that good luck to fade. So, coaches riding off Colorado, pumping up ASU. They're the next top program in the league unless something drastic happens. Man, you got to like that, PK. Uh, well, when was that uh, quote? You know, was it, was it, in the sp- it was in the spring before okay, the investigation. Okay, but it was before, yeah. So, that's, that's somewhat meaningless. It's shallow. They're going to have issues. UCLA, damned with faint praise. We think it's coming along, but slowly. You can see a studying of the ship. Every game they lost, they were in. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, you lost a lot, but you weren't getting blown out, so there's that. 
Well, that's been the devil's thing, and that's what Herm loves to tell you about, how all these losses were one scores. Yeah, but if you run the ball and play clock, it's you can like make Air it a Force basketball. Yeah. If you wait till the last second to shoot a shot, you're probably going to have good defensive statistics because the other team doesn't have as near as many possessions. So it, it doesn't matter if you have a bunch of close losses. It matters if you win the game. So I'm I'm sick of that as uh, using as some evidence that oh yeah they're they're pretty good I mean they lost all these games by less than one score and if you take this play or that play well you can say that every year by X amount of teams it's funny Alabama never says that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're winning games so I don't think that's necessarily indicative of progress in your program I guess it can be. But I'm sort of jaded on that because I've seen it particularly with Herm, the way he coaches a game. It's designed to be close. They also don't blow anybody out. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, it's an NFL thing. Ways it, with that. It's the NFL thing. Just play football, be careful, don't do anything crazy, and have a chance to win in the fourth quarter. So it's to your point. Well, of course it's not a blowout. Right. You know? You run it on third and eight, you don't take any chances, you punt it down to the other end of the field. Yeah, 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 exactly. So what does that mean? Does that mean you have a good team? No, it means you coach that way. I want a coach who wants to win by nine, not by two. No, you don't. You really don't. (laughs) No, we don't. (laughs) Yes, I do. That quote, I remember sitting down on a Monday morning like, well, there's no doubt where this show is going, and you're over there, (laughs) yeah, we know. (laughs) Wanted to win by nine, not by two. (laughs) All right. uh, Last thing on UCLA. If you think they're ready for a breakout year, here's this quote. Talking about Chip Kelly. If he can improve Dorian Thompson Robinson, they're going to have a winning record this season and could have a breakout year. Boy, that's, that's not much. If we hold the team to fewer points, <laughs> we might win the game. Yes. So getting to the meat of the matter here, what are the coaches saying about USC and Utah anonymously? USC, linebacker is incredibly deep. They don't seem to have as many flaws as in recent years. Obviously, they have a great quarterback recruiting class. If you're looking for weaknesses, you'd like to see better play on the old line. If it's, it's not up to standard, and maybe that's because they don't run it like they used to. I don't think consistency is their problem. I think it's identity. They don't have that juice anymore. Even during Kiffin and DeSarc, the culture, it's turned on them so bad. The problem is now they're not the Showtime brand they used to be. Well, let's get off of used to be because... That's too long ago. And it it was a phenomenal run. So, yeah, we need to get past used to be. But they've brought in Harold with the idea of we're going to throw the ball. So Slovis is looking as a first round pick, but now we're going to we're going to pick at the team. Well, they don't run the ball like they used to. Yeah, how many first round picks did they have at quarterback? Now they've had a few, obviously. Part, uh, Carson Palmer, who was a decent enough quarterback, I think. Leonard was a bust, and some other guys. Barkley never really have lived up, but I don't think he was a first round pick. I'm pretty sure he wasn't. And so Slovis here, they're playing to his strengths. He's big time accurate. Uh, I, I I think that with SC. Historically, because of, you know, no one's going to probably recreate what Pete Carroll did. And you just look at timing. Timing matters so much. You know, at the time, they had what they what they had going. Interestingly enough, they had no pro football in town. So in the fall, it literally was the biggest show. 
and it was where celebrities wanted to be. So it was like a confluence of events that I don't know is going to happen again, right? So get past that. And so we tend to pick at them. Well, they can't do this and this because they're SC and they're supposed to do everything. I still think they're a pretty doggone good football team, and they're going to be tough to beat. And in my mind, they were rightly picked number one. That's what I went with. That's what I would go with. And it's not just looking at it historically. It's looking at this team this year. Athlon Sports with the anonymous coaches talking about the University of Utah. They say of the Utes, in a lot of ways they've emulated Stanford to the point where they are the new Stanford, and right now they're more talented. This team is a brand. It's a toughness in defense. They're the most physical team in the conference every single year now, and they're one of the meanest in the game. This is all Witt. It's his mindset. It's his attitude. Mental toughness is a cliche, but Witt has those guys ready. They're even, never too high or low. Now, I've been saying this for a few years. Utah is the most respected, underappreciated program in the history of college football. (laughs) They are not underappreciated. Everybody who speaks of them, get hammer, get the hammer on John Wilner, get anybody you want, and they'll just lavish praise on the program and on Kyle. Kyle, my goodness, he's a freaking genius. He went from being tough guy way back when if you said anything bad about you he'd blow up to now having literally every single ex co or co current coach and every media member literally every media member eating out of the palm of his hand and nobody Nobody says anything negative about the program. The only people who say negative are the fans within the University of Utah football program who, because they're frustrated that they haven't won a Pac-12 title. And what they don't realize is there's teams that have been in the Pac-12 50-some years who haven't won it. And somehow Utah is being discredited because they've been closer than these programs that have been around forever and haven't gotten even to the title game and the Utes have gotten it twice but we haven't gotten over the hump doggone it he sucks the only people who have any negative to say are fans of the program everybody else outside the program lavishes praise on this program and Kyle to the nth degree I don't really see how you can argue with anything I just said I don't I really don't. I know you you don't. It's spot on. And there's a few people on Twitter, you know, some dude out there with the fire Kyle Kyle Whittingham uh, handle. And and if they did that, every coach in the country would look and think, oh, my gosh, what are the expectations there? What are they doing? Somebody would take the job because it's a head coaching job and it pays and it's their chance. But overwhelmingly, the coaching community would look at Utah. They did that and think, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? Well, they're not going to do it. Right, exactly. So a couple more quotes that will stick with Ute fans. Andy Ludwig is coming along with the offensive side. They're starting to build their own brand there, too. You see consistency in the calls. Again, you know what they are when you go in. They're built by the running game with the backs and with QB run and moving the pocket. That works because they're usually good up front, and when they can run steady, they're going to work you as much as they can with play action. It's one of the best matches to a defense of any offense in the Power Five. (laughs) And then on Charlie Brewer, if you've seen Charlie Brewer's tape from Baylor, you should be scared playing these guys. It's never a guarantee that a grad transfer locks in right away. But these pieces fit, comma, man. 
if Brewer plays like he did when Rule was still at Baylor, this team can win the conference. Agreed. And there it is. Which is why I'm rooting for Cam Rising so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's counting this guy out. This is me all over. He's being counted out. Everywhere I went, I was told you weren't good enough, including this radio. I was told you weren't good enough. And that's what's happening to him. Nothing against Charlie B. I don't know the guy. But I just relate to somebody like Cam Rising. We all anointed this other dude because he started 87 games last year in the SEC. Uh, and, And what did Cam Rising do? He beat him out. And he didn't just beat him out because the other guy wasn't good enough. No, he beat him out. I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but I love the fact that Cam Rising is being counted out. Let's see what this kid can do. And if Charlie B is the guy, so be it, man. Yeah, I can see what they're saying because he does come in with impressive credentials. Normally, grad transfer, it's because he didn't play or just a transfer now. They don't have necessarily be grad transfers. Doesn't mean they're not good because Justin Fields was a first-round pick. Joe Barrows was a first-round pick, for literally the first pick and the Heisman Trophy winner and undefeated, blah, blah, blah. But they weren't playing at their prior schools. You know what I mean? JT Daniels is now getting run as a an NFL quarterback. Well, he transferred because Slovis had the job. That wasn't the case. And we've had Utah quarterbacks who come in, they weren't playing at institution fill-in-the-blank. That's not the case here. So, yeah, I understand. There's all sorts of reason to have optimism, and I have it too. I am intrigued by rising, and you can't really – I mean, the coaches can't really say the answer when I ask the question. You know, did – did the other guy blow it or did rising go in and he was excellent and he took the job away from him? That's what happened. You think it's that? I know it's that. Well, how do you know? You were up there at practice? They told you. Yes. But they can't tell you. Would they tell you? Would they tell you that guy blew? He really sucked. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It does matter. No, it doesn't. Yeah, he sucked. We saw that. He didn't he didn't play well enough. He didn't play near well enough. They put in Lisk and, and he was the hero and good for him. The guy who stuck it out for years and yep. years goes out on a high note and will always be remembered that way. Great. I'm happy for him. But no, because what you're doing in saying that is you're sliding Bad Moon. Kyle likes to call him Bad Moon for Bad Moon Rising. I got it. Yeah, I got it. So you're, I know you got it, but well, I'm, I hope, I'm hoping I'm talking to more people than just you. Nope, not today. <laughs> we turned off the transmitter. It's a private conversation. Yak, you got that thing locked down, right? Yeah, this is, this is, this is just conserve a, some power up on broadcast. I was say, it's, it's not it's not going anywhere. Okay, good. <laughs> Lyle Lovett has a great tune called "Private Conversation," but anyway, uh, that that's you're disrespecting Bad Moon, and and I hate underestimating people. Let's see what they got. I think we're going to. I I think he's he's going to play. I don't know when he's going to play. And I don't know why he could win the job. He could go in because Brewer could get hurt midway through the season. I think he's got an excellent chance. If Brewer comes in and just crushes it for a year, it's still one year. Rising can still be the guy next year. Oh, there's plenty of time for him. Yeah. yeah, I don't think Rising. We're gonna. We're not gonna. We're not gonna see Rising leave here and wonder. Oh, I wonder what that guy could have been. We're we're gonna find out. He's gonna play. I, I think the biggest reason that I have confidence in his ability to play is. Not anything they say, especially in a situation, especially publicly, uh, maybe not so much privately to you, but Kyle seemed really down when he got hurt, and I think that's because Kyle had expectations for him. 
you know. I mean, Kyle's always down when guys get hurt because he knows, and we've probably all talked to him about that. You have, I'm sure. Um, But it seemed like there was more than that. And so I think he had some expectation of what Rising could do, and Rising got hurt. And because of that, I think Rising's going to win the job at some point. And if he doesn't beat out Brewer now, he'll beat out everybody else, and if Brewer gets hurt, he'll be the guy. And if not, then he can win the job next year and still have time to show what he can do. But I think Kyle thinks he has something in Rising. Yeah, and but for now, people are getting all excited, as they should. Charlie B comes in with all sorts of credentials, way more than they've ever had. And that's been the missing piece. Although, I, I think we overstate that, the missing piece, because they had a good offense, and Tyler Huntley was a good quarterback. And they had a good team. Now, they got beat in the one game, and it's a one-game deal. Who knows if you would have played them again, although they got beat by a top-flight quarterback, too. Let's not forget that. Justin Herbert is really good. Uh, and so, uh, but we look at, wow, if, we, if they could just throw the ball efficiently. Well, they did that season. So let's not forget that they actually did do that, and they had a great season. I mean, I realize they got smoked in the Pac-12 title game, and as I said earlier, I don't count those the the bowl game now, particularly for the loser of the Pac-12 title game because the loser of the Pac-12 title game has lost a bowl game every single year. <laughs> yeah, I hate that you don't want to be their thing. I think the thing you really have to look at is the players not playing has become so widespread. Yeah, well, that's, not, that's the ultimate. The I don't want to be there yeah, right. because you're not, <laughs> so there. you're not there. I really don't want to be there to the point I'm literally not going to be there. <laughs> I'm going to be somewhere else. Uh, uh, yeah, so maybe I got to check last year. I, I, I've, I've virtually blocked out last year, so maybe they maybe they won last year. but I No, they didn't go. Right. They only had two bowl teams. Didn't Colorado yeah. take theirs? Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. USC didn't go. So, But they didn't lose is what I'm saying because so, it, it didn't, yeah. didn't happen. They've but, never won. Just go with they've never won. That covers yeah. you. Just but the other that. ones in the normal years, they've lost yeah. every time. So they have. Utah has had good passing. That was a good passing team that year, for sure. Huntley, you're discrediting Huntley if you say that that well, all they need is a good passing game. They had one that season, and we saw what they can do. They were uh, two losses, right? One loss in the entire season. Uh, the regular season, anyway. And so, we'll see if they can recreate that. And I also think Ludwig deserves a ton of credit, because I think they've stabilized that position there. And I'm speaking, obviously, of offensive coordinator because that was one thing that marked the program as a negative, the constant flowing through uh, offensive coordinators. And I think that I don't know what's going to happen two, three years from now, but Ludwig clearly has stabilized that position, and he's great at what he does. I have the highest respect, and not just me. I've had other people in the business tell me, that this guy yeah, absolutely knows what he's doing, knows what he's doing. Yeah. and they told me when Kyle brought him back and what a phenomenal decision that was. And that's where I form a lot of my opinions because I never played the game. I never once put my hand in the dirt. So, except although I did play freshman football. I was about to say, you've told us you played freshman football. Yeah, but I hated what, every second of it. And what you weigh, like 120 pounds? Yeah, oh yeah, I think it was 125. Uh, I was buff. And I was the same height. I, I stopped growing at like uh, 14. 
Uh, I've been the same height ever since. Yeah, and I only played freshman football because I was literally brand new to Arizona, and I wasn't even living with my parents. I was living with my older sister, so it was a, a time of upheaval in my life. They moved me out to Arizona to start ninth grade. I went to a high school that only had through juniors, a brand new high school. I was the first class. My class was the first class to go there all four years. I literally did not know anyone. Literally, not one person. And I come in with an East Coast attitude. You can see how badly I was a misfit there. Uh, if you're wondering about some of my psychological scars, uh, they stand up to then. And so I figured, well, I need to meet some. I've got to find some friends somehow. So I went out for football. And I hated it, but I stuck it out. I didn't quit. I played the whole season. <laughs> so I don't really count that because it's not anything that I want to do. I played freshman basketball, too. And then I played four years of baseball. Although I got cut my freshman year from baseball and little did I know my mother went in and saw the principal and mysteriously a week later I got reinstated she made him an offer he couldn't <laughs> refuse and, and since we're totally off the track now so then my mother died eight years ago and at mass the, uh, the priest told my sister and they set it up down in Phoenix that I'll do the, the speaking of the Mass, and then they have a little You're portion where he speaks. you speak for the family, right? And yeah. my sister said, oh, well, my brother's going to speak. And the priest said, oh, no, that's not what we do. And she says, well, you're doing it this time. <laughs> 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 and he said, okay, he's got five minutes. My sister said, take as long as you want. <laughs> 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 and so... Uh, I told that story of how I got cut freshman baseball. And I ended up starting, uh, played varsity ball for the junior and senior year. I played all four years. I ended up starting on the freshman team, too. And so I told that story, how my mother went in to see the principal, and a week later I got put back on the team. And my two sisters thought all those years that I did not know that for that portion of the story, that my mother went in to see the principal. <laughs> did, did she go godfather? She wouldn't know. do that, right? I don't know what happened in that meeting. <laughs> I don't know what happened, and I don't want to know. <laughs> now, Kay, in a court of law, if you give me this letter, I would have to acknowledge that I know where Michael is. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I was thinking more along the lines of, see this roster? One of two things is going to be on this roster. Either my son's name. Wow. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> One of two things is going to be on this roster. <laughs> <laughs> Either your brains or, or my, my son's name is going to be on this roster. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> uh, this little five foot four blonde of my mother dropping f bombs. Yeah, we need a backup third baseman. What the heck? Put him on the roster. <laughs> I think what happened is. Uh, Sort of a fortune, good fortune for me. The kid uh, flunked out of school who was on the team, so they had a roster spot open. <laughs> All right, put this one on. <laughs> and then I ticked off guys I was trying to make friends with. I ticked them off because I said, wait a second, he gets cut, and then two weeks later he's starting. <laughs> How is that? And meanwhile, I'm sitting on the bench here. <laughs> you know, for true story for anyone coaching uh, youth sports teams, at my high school, I didn't realize what was going on. In retrospect, it's super clear, but at the time, you're just a ninth grader and you just want to play. They kept 24 guys on a 15-man high school team. You had 15 jerseys, and they kept 24 guys. And in retrospect, one guy on that team could play. There was one legit player, Jim Eckstein, and everybody else – 
We tried real hard, and we ran in circles. And so at that point, they didn't cut them, and they basically let us sort ourselves out. And like, eh, maybe they'll stop coming because they don't have a jersey, and then they don't really want it. You know, uh, maybe they'll have grade problems. And we did lose two or three kids to a grade check like two weeks after the season started. And at the end of the year, we had 12 kids. So, you know, don't make a choice you don't have to make. You don't really know with these young kids, whether you're coaching 10, 12, 15 year olds or whatever. Keep them in the program and see who really wants it and gets better. You know, and it, it was because in retrospect, uh, there was there just weren't special players <laughs> on that freshman basketball team I when I was a kid. Wasn't one of them. Yeah, I wasn't either. And, and so, you know, what was funny is that we ended up taking it was a, it was a first year coach fresh out of college, and he didn't like cutting guys. And the reason I think he cut me is because I was on the basketball team, and being in Phoenix, you can start practice in February outside, obviously. And you weren't so, there. Right, I wasn't there yeah. in the season. So they had like a month of practice, and then I come out off the basketball team, mm-hmm. and, he didn't, and I had like a week, and he didn't really know me, and he felt the loyalty to those guys. And he kept like 30 guys. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because I told you we only had three classes, freshman, sophomore, junior. Mm-hmm. The varsity uniforms didn't come in. They weren't there in time. Yeah. So what they did is the uh, varsity took the JV and the JV took the freshman. So we literally didn't have uniforms. So he could keep a whole bunch of guys because there were no uniforms. You're just playing in like t-shirts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Our practice little uh, orange jersey practice thing, which they had abundance of. That's what we use. We didn't. I my freshman year, we didn't have uniforms. <laughs> so, kind of funny the way it all played out. I have no idea how we got on this topic, but nevertheless, there we were. DJ and PK. When we come back, everything you missed in this show. Robbie Bosco joined us earlier. Talk quarterbacks. Catch you up to date on what he's thinking. Got a young, talented NBA player who's demanding. He wants out. He's a restricted free agent, but we'll see if he can get himself out. Uh, all that we'll get you up to speed next. Stay with us. The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. I remember one time a good friend of mine and I went to the grocery store and he started throwing things over the aisle to me. And I had to catch it. A can of beans flies over it. I caught it. Then he threw a glass container of syrup. <laughs> if I hadn't caught it, I would have been clean up in aisle five. That was a long setup for that joke. That wasn't a joke. That was a long setup for If I would have missed it, it would have been <laughs> cleanup. No. Aisle five. No, that, that wasn't even the Then the CSI intent. Miami theme starts. <laughs> if I hadn't caught it, uh, it would have been clean up in aisle five. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Let's get you up to date on stuff you've missed during this show. We had Robbie Bosco on. He was quietly hilarious, as he often is, PK. Always with a chuckle and the funny story. But also, insight into the quarterback battles. What did you take away from Robbie? Uh, I think that BYU is dealing from a position of strength, uh, that each guy has different uh, talents that they can add. Uh, they really like Conover, and he's kind of a dark horse because we haven't seen him play. I think that your uh, what would say your thought on rising on Hill at some point he'll be the BYU or Utah starting quarterback is just, and it may not be immediately is the same thing with Conover whether it's this year, next year, or the kids young as far as grade wise, even the year after that, uh, who knows how it's going to shake out, but. 
They like his talent. Uh, he thinks Zach Wilson is going to be exceptional. That was the word. And honestly, when I asked you, I thought that's where you were going to jump in. Exceptional. Even offered him a chance to walk it back, and he wanted no part of walking it back. I wouldn't walk it back either. Dylan Colley didn't walk it back, and Dylan Colley was right. Dylan Colley, freshman year, potato bowl. This kid's going to be one of the best, if not the best. People look around. Oh, here we go. Another Colley. And another Colley. Yeah, another Colley speaking the truth. And Zach Wilson was sensational. And yeah, I, if you want to argue about BYU's schedule, you can't argue about Zach Wilson and what the Jets thought. Now, the holdout is, well, yeah, he's going to be a flop. And there have been guys uh, at number two who have been flops. There's no doubt about it. Ryan Leaf, obviously. But Ryan Leaf had all sorts of other issues that maybe impacted or impeded his ability. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any maybe to it. Okay, <laughs> I think they did. did. And so it doesn't appear that Zach Wilson has that. And I've no. been... The question mark with him is he, Zach Wilson for a long time, and I'm not stopping. Right, but the question is: Is he going to have enough talent around him to be exceptional? Because quarterbacks are judged on wins, and you can have a lot of talent, and if you don't have a team around you, then you're not going to be exceptional. Despite the fact well, you have a lot of talent, that's up to the Jets to yeah, do to put is. talent around them. I mean, that's that's what the jets need to do and it it's a, this is nothing that's going to be decided in the short term you know it took john elway a long way if you're looking for super bowls and obviously it literally took him to the end of his run to get that uh, and yeah winning winning is important winning is the purpose of pro sports you know did you win and so it's going to take a while i mean as robbie said just went two and fourteen last year. My gosh! Uh, but let's see what he can do too, because Trevor Lawrence, right there, it's the same thing can be said for him. You know, he was presumptive number one pick from the from his freshman year. He just had to wait out these rules that require you to be three years out of high school before you can get drafted, right? And so he was going to be number one whenever that time came. And if it came after three, if it came after four, he was going to be he would be number one this year. Well, their team wasn't any better, so what are they going to be able to do, too? So the same type of situation regarding Wilson is the comparison is the exact same with uh, Trevor Lawrence. And neither of these guys are shoe-ins by any stretch because I don't know that there's a shoe-in anymore coming out, even though these quarterbacks are so more far sophisticated, and Steve Young will tell you that because we've talked to him about that, how they're more prepared to play earlier than they used to be. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate from one level to the next. And so they'll have a lot to prove. But I'm excited for him. And it's not, it's not like this is a bonus year. But I don't know that you can have a whole lot of high expectations for Zach Wilson this year. Maybe individually. But you're right. The team does suck. That's why. And they've sucked for a good while, too. It's not like uh, Houston. You know, Houston has had. They, Houston wasn't good last year. But Houston was good recently. Yeah, they've they've won a bunch of division titles, yeah. been to the playoffs, don't go very far in the postseason, if anywhere. Uh, but I think the thing with Zach, and I think this is true with Trevor Lawrence too, it's not just the local guy and you know go soft on the local guy and hammer on Trevor Lawrence. You know, they're not going to have teams around them. If uh, Actually, Zach has an advantage over Trevor Lawrence in that he's got a coach who knows the NFL. Now, he may not turn out to be a good NFL head coach, he may turn out to be a great one, but he's got NFL experience 
Urban's going to be learning the league at the same time, and that seems to me to be a negative for Trevor. Now, Urban's a football freak, so maybe he'll pull it off. But sitting here now, it still seems like that's a negative for, for Trevor Lawrence. But I think the thing you want out of both those guys, you know the teams around him aren't good. And this goes back to what you said about Burrow earlier this morning. Like Burrow didn't have a great year because he got hurt. But and when you saw him, did he pass the eyeball test? Did he play with confidence? Is he stepping into his throws? Or does he look confused and scared? Because we've all watched quarterbacks get in NFL games Guys are bigger, faster, longer, more talented, and we see quarterbacks look confused, scared, gun-shy, whatever cliche you want to go for. So I think that's what we're looking for with these quarterbacks. Are they playing with confidence even though the receivers can't get open and the line can't block? You know, or, or are they just, just scared and look like they're bailing out? There's two sets of people that I no longer doubt and I'll never doubt again. And one of them is Urban and Shelley Meyer. <laughs> and the second one is Zach Wilson and Elijah Moore, the draft pick that they got at receiver. Watch out. Wilson to Moore, it'll be the new Stockton to Malone. I thought you were going to go young to Rice, but okay. Well, I wanted to keep it local. All right, there it is. All right, so we talked with Robbie Bosco. We also talked with Dustin Smith, quarterback elite, co-founder and coach, Spanish Fork. High school head coach, uh, follows the local scene, made in a passion plea for local quarterbacks and really Intermountain West quarterbacks to get a look. He thinks there's some guys here. And, you know, he said not just Utah, but Arizona. I immediately thought, well, PK is going to say there's a lot of Arizona guys getting looks <laughs> all across the country. Oh, yeah, they're getting. And Their elite quarterbacks are getting looks. Maybe not the, the Utah and Idaho kids, but the Arizona kids. The difference kids are. being that uh, I can't say what Utah's recruiting is. I mean, they didn't recruit Zach Wilson because they had this Tuttle dude. We know that story. They didn't offer him. Uh, Dart is another story here down at SC. We'll see how that plays out. Whereas it, in Tempe, they're offering, and these guys yeah. are saying, nah, I'm no. out. it's too hot. Slovis is going to USC and telling you, yep, it's too hot. Yeah, That was your favorite quote of the day, wasn't it? Well, it was predictable. I knew he was going to say it because I've been there. And unless you've been there, uh, that's one of the things. And, 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 oh, my wife gets so frustrated when she talks to people and they go visit Arizona in March and <laughs> April and it gets to be about nine degrees. Oh, I love the heat. I, yeah, yeah. Shut up. Not, not Yeah, you love 90. <laughs> They have three and a half million people there. They'd have twenty and a half million people if if it topped out at ninety. <laughs> it's it's just absolutely relentless. You can't uh, explain it until you've endured it, and that's what you do. You don't live it; you endure it. It's the only major metropolitan area in the country where they just rue that summer's coming. Everybody else gets excited. Lori Markkinen, Chicago Bulls, restricted free agent. Four years in the league. They've had the coaching change. The number of games he started went down. The number of minutes he played in a game went down. He's not happy. He told a Finnish uh, reporter that uh, he wants out. and He's got multiple offers and he wants to jumpstart his career somewhere else. He's a big guy. And he shot 40% from three. There's a market for him. I think for Jazz fans, the question is, is he going to end up with somebody in the top half of the West? Or is he even going to come and make somebody lower in the West, uh, you know, a better team that, that can beat you and take a, take a game or two away from you? Or is he going to stay in the East, in which case he's not such a big factor to the Jazz? So you're saying there's a market in for him. Yeah. <laughs> 
I think he's a player. I don't know what's happening in Chicago, but he hasn't come near the uh, impact that I thought he would have. And maybe he does need that fresh start, and somebody will give it to him. He'll be in the league somewhere next year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Major League Baseball, is it just the Giants year, PK? When you see a team down 4 nothing, and they've only scratched out a couple of hits, maybe it's three, two or three hits, and they got nothing going, and then they get off the deck and score four in the ninth and one in the tenth and win the game. And we're we're into August now, and this whole thought that they're going to fade. Hey, the the Padres and Dodgers got all the offseason run. They were the odds makers' favorites, but it's the Giants in first place, and they're not blinking. And you know, at, at four zip after eight, you can write it off. They don't write it off. They come back and win the game. Yeah, well, I mean, they're playing the historically awful team. I mean, the Diamondbacks are going for all-time records, not just franchise-wise, but league-wise. So, I mean, they suck beyond belief. This is really, really bad. So that's two things. That I can. That's how I can explain the four runs in the ninth and the one in the tenth. But otherwise, their pitching has been way better than I think they anticipated, and that's put them in first place. 29 games over 500, the best record in the National League, the best record in all of baseball. It's the Giants looking down at everybody else. It's a phenomenal story for a franchise that has been really, really good. They were 10, 12 years. There is nobody else in baseball playing 600 ball right now. The Dodgers are just a little under. And yet, they're the Giants at a 633 pace. That is impressive. Got a four-game lead over the Dodgers now. All right, that is a lot of what we have been talking about. A reminder, the Salt Lake City Summer League wraps up tonight. Grizzlies and Spurs at 5. Utah Jazz Blue Team and the Utah Jazz White Team at 7 o'clock. You can watch the games on KJS 14 on NBA TV. You can listen to them right here on the Zone Sports Network. Scotty G on the call and uh, Tim Lacombe joining him. All right, DJ and PK, uh, when we come back, one more thing. You want to, uh, should we have Yach play that uh, Kyle Whittingham when we come back and then we'll get people's feedback? If you want, sure. Kyle Whittingham, all sorts of pumped up and confident, oozing confidence. You fans, you're going to want to hear this next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Feedback of the day brought to you by Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Quit spending time sorting pills. Call Ochre Mountain Pharmacy today and have them sort and deliver your custom prescription blister packs free of charge. Call them at 801-252-1000. 801-252-1000. That's Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Yuck, do you have Kyle Whittingham sounding pretty enthused about his team? We have no shortage of leadership on this team. This feels a lot like the 19 team in a lot of regards. There was some energy to that, PK. That wasn't a guy just getting through a media session. We've all heard that. You can go into cliche mode. Coaches have done it. High school, college, pro, football, basketball, whatever. That was a guy who was uh, was enthused. He was fired up. Well, why not expect to win? You know, in order to win, I think you have to expect to win. You have to believe you're going to win. So why not set the standard the first day? They all know. A lot of these kids – particularly the guys who were freshmen last year, they came to the school on defense too because they knew that the 2019 team, two things, were real was real good 
and most of those guys were going to the NFL, so that meant there was immediate playing playing time opportunities. So why not reference that? Because every single kid in this program knows exactly what happened in 2019. That's our standard, guys. In fact, we even won higher. We want to finish this thing right. We didn't finish it right in 19. We did everything else leading up to it. 8-1. and one. There's been no team in the history of the Pac-12 that's been better than 8-1. and one. Uh, no, one, no one has gone 9-0 and oh in this conference yet since they've expanded to the Pac-12 and put in the other two teams. So set the standard. So I think it was a shrewd move to do right off the bat. Michael replying to the question of the morning, are there really QB competitions at Utah and BYU, or do the coaches know who the starters are? Michael says competition promotes growth and strength, so they won't say till the end, but they always know. Unless an injury happens, their decision won't change. I think it can change, but I do think that they have an idea. I think Utah is a little more unsettled because of the injury situation, and Rising didn't get the opportunity to play and and spring ball, and it's not fair to him. You owe him the right to compete because he competed and won the job last year and then had a serious injury, so he deserves the opportunity. But they also have a track record of him that I think that can help him because they've seen him, what he can do. Plus, I would have to think, just by virtue of – virtue of tenure he has more experience with Ludwig so he would understand the stuff a little bit better so well, he's going to get a legitimate chance that's what uh, that's one of the things you were told and people haven't heard the interview um, Britton Covey at Pac-12 Media Day uh, with you guys breaking down the quarterbacks and talking about just Cam's total command of the offense and you know offensive coordinators appreciate that there's nothing worse than an offensive coordinator knowing he's got a really talented guy and knowing the guy just doesn't know the offense forward and backwards. Because that leads to hesitation, and you throw a ball a little late, and it gets picked. So they hate that. Yeah. They hate it. Uh, <laughs> Greg, Arizona Republic headline, March 1976, Jackalope head mysteriously found in principal's bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's referencing the story. You were talking about uh, what you knew, and, and you, you say it on the air because you've been told it. Because you never put your fingers in the dirt. And then that led you, well, okay, I did play freshman football, which led to freshman uh, baseball and basketball, and you getting cut from the team. And me saying, did your, did your mom go in there and, and do a scene from The Godfather, basically? She did not threaten to shoot dead the principal. <laughs> let's, let's be clear about that. Although I wasn't in the meeting, so maybe I, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm assuming. It doesn't. It doesn't your do mom it. didn't fool around with firearms a lot. No, not to my knowledge. <laughs> we never have. I've never even held a gun, let alone have any. I have zero experience with any guns. and that's We weren't hunters. We weren't any of that stuff. So I, have, I, I wouldn't know the first thing about a gun. I've never, never even held one. Oh, we got more people uh, weighing in here. Um, you know, Kyle bringing up 2019, and that team went 8-1 in the Pac-12. Is it time to start thinking big? And Ryan says, I'm not one to drink the Kool-Aid, but Utah just landed a running back out of Florida, beat out Florida State and landing recruit. That is the real Utah football news. I'm happy to bring it here so my favorite BYU fans and radio personalities actually hear about it. Yeah, that's probably an old-school guy who still can't get past that Utah's the little guy, and we favor BYU. 
Uh, I think that uh, you know this doesn't really. It's pointless to try to defend yourself because he's going to think what he thinks. But as long as he listens, I don't care what he thinks. Dave says I've learned to never get my hopes up about any team in Utah. Don't get your hopes up. They're just going to disappoint you. Okay, so they disappoint you. And whoop de do It's sports. The 2008s didn't disappoint you, Dave. They went undefeated. They never let you down. The 2004 Utes. The 84 Cougars. There's a long list. <laughs> Maybe enjoy it for what it is. It's entertainment. Uh, but I get that. If fans, uh, that's just me and my mantra. It doesn't really fly for a lot of people. They are 100% and the jubilation and then just the depths of despair when the team loses. So, uh, But uh, you, you got to risk it. If you're a fan, you got to take the bad with the good. And Utah's had plenty of good. It's college football season and Devin is back. Kyle thinks he's got a 2019 team, 11-1, and losing to Oregon and the Pac-12 title game sounds good to me. Go Ducks! Three exclamation points. Yeah, it's tough to beat Phil Knight State. That's for sure. I mean, <laughs> PKSU. <laughs> I love it when the band spells out PKSU at halftime. Yeah, I mean, what what money talks, and that guy's got money, and hence that program is is good because he bought a good program. It's like if you buy the most expensive car out on the market, what are you going to have? You're going to have a great car. I mean, it, the correlation, the line, the connection is so obvious. Anybody can understand that. And and good for Devin that he's a devotee of Phil Knight. I will give Devin credit for spelling losing with one O, though. So that's a win right there. It's not losing. He nailed it. Yeah, that's one of the more frustrating. That when people say reoccurrence <laughs> on something that happens repeatedly. It's not reoccurrence. It should be reoccurrence. But it's not. It's just recur. It's, you drop the O. It's R-E-C-U-R. Reoccurring. Reoccurrence. <laughs> Drives me nuts. Drives me nuts. So this is a slightly different take from Alex, though, on Kyle. What is he supposed to do? Come out and say the team looks average? Alex, that's where I go beyond the words to the tone. There was an urgency and an energy. I didn't think he was saying something just to get through it, and you got to say something. And you're right. There are things you can't say. Alex is 100% right about that. There are things you cannot say into a microphone. You just can't. Alex is 100% wrong. But Alex ignores the energy and the oof Kyle put behind it. I think he was legitimately fired up about this. Fine, and I agree with you, but I, it's easy to refute that argument. What was he supposed to say? He was asked about leadership. He could have said, yeah, I think we have great leadership. We've got a lot of players who've got experience, and we've got good leadership. So you don't have to say, well, what was he supposed to say? You don't have to address it at all in that way. It wasn't, do you have good leadership? That wasn't the question. The question was, what do you think about the leadership? So it wasn't a yes or no question, which for, if it's a yes or no question, well, it forces him to say yes. And he does say yes. I thought a couple of those programs, teams that they had when they went, uh, what were they, five and seven? I thought like from the first year when they went in the conference and they went eight and five, 
I thought they had great leadership. I thought Tony Bergstrom, local kid, was an outstanding leader that year, and he helped will that team to a winning record. And then I thought they had devoid of leadership the next year, and I asked Kyle about it, but he, of course he's not going to acknowledge weakness. Uh, so he, I thought they didn't have the leadership that they needed. Their best players were not vocal enough, and so I think that was part of the problem. That was my amateur observation uh, as I reviewed the program and was in it covering it at the time. But I don't think he has to go on and on, as you say. So he could downplay it while still giving an answer, but he didn't downplay it. He took it very high by saying, yeah, this team, in a lot of regards, reminds me of 2019. That's a powerful statement. Well, now I want a game. I want the opener. I want to see it. Let's go. It is less than a month away. Well, uh, you know, I wouldn't put a lot of stock in the Weber game. Obviously, you're you're dealing with a, no no disrespect to Weber because Jay Hill at his level has run a phenomenal program, and I'm excited for him if he chooses the opportunity to take it to a higher level. Uh, when and if that time comes, I don't doubt his ability to be a great coach because we've seen it at his level where all things are equal, and or at least to a degree anyway. But expecting Weber to compete for the full 60 minutes against the Utes isn't fair. I think that we've got to see in the coming weeks where they're at. And, and the great thing about it is we will. You win the Pac-12, you don't owe anybody any apologies. Utah at BYU five weeks from tomorrow. Five weeks from tomorrow, yeah, that's pretty quick. That's great, too. It's been... It's been a fun summer in that way with the NBA extending itself. Shortened the summer. Yeah, at the this finals time to year, the draft we, to free agency, and we're five yeah. weeks from football. And yeah, we would be talking almost exclusively college football, but because of the free agency and then summer league, uh, there'll be a little downtime a few weeks in September where we won't be hitting the NBA, but the NBA. Uh, has been a dominant topic for us and the Jazz, obviously, for so long. And it's been fun to have them to be able to talk about. Absolutely. Well, they should be getting back on their normal calendar. The commissioner's made that clear. So right. next summer should be a little more normal. Right. And, and, and in a couple of weeks here, when the summer league's over, it'll be done. And then it'll be quiet for probably about four or five weeks. And then we start it up again in October. All right, hit us up if you got more. You got more feedback. David DJ James uh, tweeted out a couple stories. They just found a car that was stolen in 2017. PK, bad news. It was at the bottom of Pine View Reservoir, and they pulled it out. There's some algae on that car. Some water damage. Spectacular. <laughs> Spectacular. You got to see this photo. This car looks so nasty. How did the car get there in the first place? I don't know if they're clear on that yet, um, but they, they pulled it out, and you know it's got the VIN number, so you get through the algae and you scrape down, and even if the plates are gone, you can figure out what car it is, and it was stolen. So somebody drove it into the lake somehow, and they got lower water levels. So I don't know if somebody saw it from a boat or bumped into it from a boat or what, or could see it in the water, but the water level's going down helped them find it. So just covered in algae and looking nasty. You would think so. Yeah, it is. So, check that out on Twitter. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hans and Scotty are coming up next. Have a good weekend. Stay with us right here on The Zone. And remember, jazz tonight. The jazz versus jazz. 
at 7 o'clock. And now I'm being told, are we going to get a bonus segment of us? Is that what we're doing? Because we've been tap Curly dancing the for plan. a while. Oh, really? All They're right. having issues with their remote. All right. Hands and Scotty on remote, but having issues. Well, stick around. We'll have a surprise next. We just don't know what it is right now. Stay with us.